to the Cinema Show, where we bring you movie news, reviews, and insights right here on our podcast. I'm Dilla Martin. Here with me is Jackson. Hey, guys. Ladies and gentlemen, in anticipation of Godzilla vs. Kong arriving in theaters on HBO Max at the end of March, we decided to dedicate this entire month to the two iconic titans themselves. We are calling this month March of the Monsters. In the next couple of episodes, we will be reviewing King Kong and his different incarnations throughout the years in film. And on this episode, we head east to honor the atomic beast himself with a bracket. That's right, it's time for the return of March Madness. After careful research and deliberation, the cinema show has ruled the top 16 movies that best represent the King of Monsters. And now it's up to you, our listeners, to determine the best Godzilla movie of all time. So go to our Twitter page, at Cinema Show Live, and vote. And to help me go through this bracket, we brought on two special guests. These two guys are the biggest Godzilla fans I know. For those who have followed the cinema show since the very beginning, our first invited guest should sound familiar. Welcome back, Emmanuel. Hey there, everybody. And making his debut on the show, he is another kaiju enthusiast. So glad he's here with us, Jalen. Hello! And we're going to kind of just start off right off the bat with our first uh, matchup here. At the number two seed, we have Gojira, which came out in 1954, directed by Ishiro Honda. And this movie is going up against the number 15 seed, King of the Monsters, which came out in 2019, directed by Michael Dougherty. And it's kind of funny how we have the very first Godzilla movie going up against the latest Godzilla movie here in this first bracket here. And what well. what can we, what can be said about the... Wait, what do you mean, well? Who said that? Jalen? <laughs> yeah, that, that was me. Wait, are you talking? Are you going to bring up the anime? The animated movies? Yeah, I'm, I'm going through the timeline in my head. <laughs> I do think the anime movies have come out more recently. Yeah, they have. I, I was, well, I guess live action then. I mean, you're not missing out much, so. No. <laughs> I mean, what Admittedly. hasn't been said about Gogeta that has already been... I mean, there's essays and a plethora of things on the internet to talk about this movie... I mean, I'm sure everyone here on the panel loves it. It's a classic. How can you not? Uh, so a little fun fact, and everybody here already knows this, but Dylan and I uh, saw this for the first time, I believe, right? Did we see it for the first time together, or had you seen this before? Um, I do want to say I, I, I have, like, very vague images in my head of my childhood, and I'm pretty sure this was in my childhood somewhere. And if anything, if I had seen an older Godzilla movie in my childhood, it was in Spanish. So talk about a very confusing upbringing, watching a Japanese movie uh, with Spanish dub <laughs> and only knowing English. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, seeing it the whole way through, me and you did watch it for the first time. Uh, at Alamo Drafthouse, yes. Uh, and funny enough, I fell asleep during the iconic Rampage on Tokyo. I was awake for literally everything else, <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> But the Godzilla stuff, I the last thing I remember before falling asleep is I think he's at uh, the train station, and that's it. So it was like right when it started, too. Wow. Blasphemy. Yeah. I know. But, like you said, what more can be said? It It's a great film, through and through. Hot take, this movie is fantastic. This is <laughs> one of, if not my favorite movie of all time. I watch it at least... Once every two months. Wow. Wow. Yeah, uh, like every so often I just get the urge to pop in Gojira and just soak it all in. It's it's 
probably the easiest Godzilla movie to rewatch. Because mm-hmm. I don't think there's a single point of this movie where I'm bored. Because I find the characters fascinating. I find the monster action exciting. I like there I don't think there's a single low in this movie. Like, yeah, you could point to the effects, but for their time, A. G. Subaraya did a wonderful job. And I think the the black and white atmosphere contributes so much to making this movie look even better than some of the Godzilla movies that came afterwards. I yes. still think this is one of the best looking Godzilla movies. And like, yeah, sure, there's some weird editing moments, like when um when Dr. Sarazawa is showing the girl the uh, oxygen destroyer for the first time and it just cuts, you can tell that they had to like splice footage together to show her crying. So it just jumps to her like sobbing on the floor for, for a <laughs> second. But, you know, for uh, like weird quibbles aside from that, I think thematically this is the pinnacle of everything Godzilla represents and is supposed to be. I was just telling this to my girlfriend, uh, the most recent one, uh, most recent Godzilla movie that I... The most recent girlfriend? (laughs) (laughs) The most recent Godzilla movie I had seen uh, uh, was uh, Shin Godzilla. And I was thinking about, after all of these movies and reflection, of course, I had just uh, stumbled upon the same epiphany that I have with uh, Star Wars. I don't think Godzilla was ever supposed to get this far to where... We have a new uh, Godzilla versus King Kong movie in 2021. Uh, I don't really think Godzilla was supposed to be a franchise, just like Star Wars really wasn't supposed to be. It just kind of struck gold, uh, lightning mm-hmm. in a bottle. Correct me if I'm if I'm wrong, Jalen. Isn't wasn't this one just supposed to be a one-off, and then they turned it into what was supposed to be a trilogy? No. Uh, what had happened was that this movie was so massively successful. Mm-hmm. that they immediately ordered a sequel called Godzilla Raids Again. And that was the one with Anguirus. That was the one with Anguirus. Mm-hmm. Like, the next year it came out. Like, yes, it, it and then came... right, and they didn't even wait on getting towards the Mothra one. No, uh, actually what had happened, Godzilla went on a brief hibernation. It wasn't mm-hmm. until uh, King Kong versus Godzilla that oh, yeah, he was right. he was resurrected because... Uh, Godzilla Raids Again was kind of a bit of a disappointment in the box office mm-hmm. and critically. And so the big G didn't see life again until he fought King Kong. And that reju- that's that was the single most successful, as, as far as box office wise goes, single most successful movie for Toho with Godzilla in it. And it like rejuvenated the franchise to the point that it is what it is today. It's crazy how you bring up King Kong because because of King Kong and another movie, I think 20 Fathoms or uh, the creature from below 20 yes. Fathoms. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Those two successes from America, that, that was a huge turning point in the creation of Godzilla. And also, yes. they didn't even wait ten a full 10 years to kind of base the bombing of uh, Hiroshima and address it here in this movie. That's what's crazy to me, how Japan was, uh, it, it was a huge devastating event to happen to that country. They're the only country where a nuclear bomb has ever been uh, used as a weapon against. And look how much influence that had on, again, the creation of Godzilla. Well, what, what had happened with that was uh, there had been a bunch of U.S. sanctions and embargoes that prevented Japan from even talking about it in movies. Wow. And it wasn't... 
it it wasn't lifted until uh the uh until a certain movie came out i'm struggling to remember the name i believe the movie was called hiroshima and after that japan started becoming more comfortable with uh talking about what it experienced but actually the biggest uh event that influenced the creation of godzilla was something that is called the lucky dragon incident yes and it was it, it's literally shown in the movie it's a group of fishermen were uh were out you know doing their thing they were fishing and in the distance they described the the sky as exploding so they witnessed the detonation uh, the testing of a of a nuclear device and so when they came back to shore they were irradiated they uh started getting real sick and so that had happened i believe just the year before gojira uh came out and so that's why some of the most impactful scenes in this movie i would argue aren't the monster destruction scenes I would actually say some of the most impactful scenes are the aftermath you see, because you see them like scanning people with Geiger Geiger counters and being like, yeah, it's terminal. (laughs) This movie, when it was first released in Japan, was actually seen as quite distasteful. I could see that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because it was so soon for them. Yeah, like it was only nine years, not even a full decade after that event. Yeah, but even closer with the Lucky Dragon incident. Yeah, the Lucky Dragon was that year of 1954. Wow. And another fun, this is a a bit less somber than the previous trivia, but another fun little note was uh, during one screening, uh, when Godzilla is rampaging through Tokyo, uh, the the theater that, uh, the, the Tokyo theater that this movie was screened at, Godzilla was actually approaching towards. And people in the audience freaked out and started to run out of the theater. <laughs> I can imagine that. Like a little, uh, what's that other incident that happened in America? War of the Worlds? <laughs> oh my god, yeah. yeah. Oh, yes. I think the one thing we probably forgot to mention about that particular uh, film is the music in it. Oh, yes. Be- because I, I mean, that composer did so much for that franchise, along with the gentleman that's in the costume itself. Mm-hmm. But to kind of add to your point, with a lot of the scenes that are... are cause in my opinion, the original Gojira one, I absolutely respect it, but it isn't my favorite one. Oh, and yeah. um, and keeping that in mind, there's, there are specific scenes that have always stuck out to me, and they're mainly whenever you're getting the that somber scene where they're going through the hospital and you see all the people that have been mm-hmm. affected, whether because of Godzilla's radiation, the destruction, injuries. And you see more of that in the... Um, original one because in the american edit they cut out a lot of those bits to have um i guess the actor's name is steve martin mm. uh raymond burr raymond burr the character, he, his was character steve is martin. steve martin keeping that in mind i i can't ignore the fact that a lot of my nostalgia from that particular movie doesn't necessarily come from the movie being the first one it comes from the music itself because once you got out of the 50s and you start getting to the the 60s and 70s of Godzilla and it gets a little campy you get this weird Japanese jazz vibe oh yeah because the uh composer changed once uh yeah but but it really it really just shows how much of a difference that makes mm-hmm. and really how much it takes away from the overall quality of that film and so my favorite aspect about Gojira has always been its music and the one thing I do appreciate in the 
the American dubbed version of it was the fact that they kept that music. I just wish that they didn't uh, cut out and add so many scenes with the character Steve Martin because it takes away from a lot more of that somberness mm-hmm. and that intensity that that particular film has. I will I will say in defense of the Americanized version, it was the only version we had for the longest time. Yes. Because uh, Gojira didn't see a release until I believe Criterion got a hold of it. Wow. That is correct. Yeah. I would love to see a version of Gojira, but instead of the character of Steve Martin, I want to see Steve Martin, the actor himself. <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing. The the three the three amigos rolling. <laughs> oh man, that's, that's the movie I want to see. So let, yeah, let's move on to uh, Emmanuel. You're talking about how versatile Godzilla has been in terms of genre and just tone. And yes, absolutely. A perfect example of that would be well, one of the perfect examples would be King of the Monsters. Mm-hmm. our latest live-action Godzilla. And here, the director kind of goes more of a, like a godlike, really, uh, I, I wouldn't say too religious. I mean, although some images will say that that was a huge factor into these movies. <laughs> but I think that comes more out of the love and admiration that Michael Doherty had towards these creatures. Um, yeah, I'm, I mean, with King of the Monsters, there's definitely a lot of nods to every era of Godzilla in there. Mm-hmm. Um, what I do like is that they carried the tone that was established in Kong Skull Island. Because to me, Kong Skull Island was the stronger film between the 2014 Godzilla and Kong Skull Island. Uh, I felt like the 2014 one um, was missing that aspect. Like, the music was different. And it's just crazy. Like, for me, music just makes such a huge difference. Yeah, it is wild how much of a difference uh, having the original songs back uh, yes. made. And- and and especially also how you show Godzilla. I think the the 2014 one did a great job of showing scale, but the reality is you don't really get a lot of Godzilla, and those characters just aren't as compelling. But when you get into King of the Monsters, the characters are in there just enough to serve the overall purpose of the story. And so seeing that the title, the subtitle of all this is King of the Monsters, you're seeing how <laughs> human characters are reacting to who's going to be the king of all this, and how are we going to stop that said king? And I do appreciate the scale that continues in that particular film. I think that the choice of music, um, I forget the gentleman's name. Oh, uh, Bear McCreary. Made the music for Battlestar Galactica. And that show, I I love that show, but I love that show more for that music. So to see him really get like the budget to have an awesome score on top of the the very colorful visuals, because you do get to see Godzilla actually fight a little bit in the day. You do get to see other monsters and... I like the different colors associated with mm-hmm. with each monster. And so I think the cinematography there in King of the Monsters is just beautiful. And I want to say with King of the Monsters, the cinematographer, I believe, is the same gentleman that worked on The Joker. Oh, wow. Yeah. And you have great shots in both of those films. Yes. It, it, it's really crazy how much... Godzilla really depends on the director really getting that tone right because of the tone and there's so many little intricacies into making a Godzilla movie that have to go right or else everything just kind of falls apart and you're just left with a a cheesy little monster movie. Mm -hmm. And I'm so glad in this movie we get more personality from the individual monsters. The big standout to me is Rodan. I love how they (laughs) gave him a, a star scream kind of character arc where his allegiance yeah. kind of like always falters like he's with Ghidorah one one day the next day he's bowing down to Godzilla I'm playing yes. both sides so that way I always come out on top 
Which is a stark contrast to his uh, original uh, Japanese incarnation, because Rodan's a very proud monster. Mm -hmm. There's a reason why he's always fighting Godzilla and fighting uh, King Ghidorah as well, because Rodan is very prideful. So I, I was I was a bit sad to see that gone in King of the Monsters, but I did absolutely love the <laughs> uh, at the at the end where he bows to Godzilla too. He's like, "Hey, bro, we're good, right? <laughs> we're good." Yeah, and I, I mentioned the whole like religious allegories that are compared to these characters, and I what stood out to me. I, I said Starscream earlier about Rodan, but I think what the director was trying to go for is like uh, like Judas. Where yeah, his, yeah, you really you don't know what his thought process is, but you know he wants to be on the winning side at all costs. Rodan is kaiju Judas is what we're Jay, getting from this. Jaylen, kaiju I, got, I got a question for you. Yeah. So in that movie, the scene with Rodan, how do you feel about that, and what do you think about the music in that scene? I really wish it was his original music. Okay. I really wish it was dun da da dun dun da 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 instead. Mm -hmm. uh, but the new music was really cool and. Believe me, I loved seeing a modern version of Rodan just erase buildings under him. Like yes. he, had, he had always done. <laughs> yeah, that was scary. And his design, too. His design was perfect. Yes. I, I like that the spikes aren't necessarily spikes on him. They're just crust. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's like it's magma, hardened yes. magma. And, you know, uh, Michael Dodery, you can tell he loves these old movies. Because he said in an, uh, a Q&A on Twitter that for Rodan, especially, he was so heartbroken by the original ending of Rodan where he dies in the volcano. Yes. That he reinterpreted it as like an egg hatch in that volcano. Ooh. And R Rodan like adapted to this new environment around him. Hence the, the Rodan. On, yeah. I do remember seeing that. And I remember just thinking that is an awesome take on it. And actually that goes back to a lot of that particular director. And how he's able to kind of put in these little like subtle nods to the original ones in a story sense. So it's like, hey, maybe those were like legends and this is the reality of the situation. Yeah. Kind of like how really cool. it, and it really, really just carries over into like the world building that happens in Godzilla King of the Monsters. Because you can watch that one pretty much on its own, not seeing the 2014 one and you'll mm -hmm. be flowing right into the other ones and you can watch. Kong Skull Island. Yeah, that's what fine. happened with me. I, I, the only Godzilla movies I had seen when I saw King of the Monsters when it came out was the original Godzilla, uh, Gogeta. I saw that like the week before or a couple weeks before, and then the next one right after that was King of the Monsters. And I think it, these two are like the perfect introduction to Godzilla. You get really everything with these two. They do. You get introduced to his mythology, and it, it it's wonderful. Uh, my, my take on this movie, I know that it is a very controversial movie in the scope of the Godzilla fandom. It, mm -hmm. the, the Godzilla fandom, from what I've seen, is very split on this movie. There were people who were disappointed by it kind of embracing the cheesier aspects of the Showa era. and But to me, personally... This movie, I loved this movie. I saw it like eight goddamn times in the theater. <laughs> yeah, um, I remember that particular year for me. I saw it more than Avengers Endgame. I yeah, remember I, you saying that. That's right. I was like, I was like, I can't decide which one I love the most here. Oh, um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Yeah, when I went to go see Avengers Endgame in IMAX, I was mm-hmm. more I was more excited about the sneak peek for Godzilla King of the Monsters. Yes, <laughs> where you got to see uh, Ghidorah, right? When yeah. he comes out the first time. That was freaking awesome. Yeah, I wore my Ghidorah short, uh, my Ghidorah shirt <laughs> to go see Endgame. So, uh that was awesome. <laughs> hey, um, priorities. But more on this movie, uh, one thing I wanted to say before we get back to you. This movie just reminds me so much. This is if I had to make a Godzilla movie, this is what I would have made because it perfectly calls back to how how I felt about this character as a kid. Godzilla was my Superman growing up. The first movie I ever saw was a Godzilla movie. It was Godzilla versus Megalon. So I grew up with Godzilla being the big hero. And I, whenever I would dump out my box of toys and have, you know, the good toys up against the bad toys, the person leading the charge for the good toys wasn't Superman or Batman or anything. It was Godzilla. <laughs> and see, that's really interesting because uh, through all of these, I think Godzilla works best as the antagonist. I, I think, well, that's what the original intended and just metaphorically everything that comes with that. But um I'm, we're gonna get into this later. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll save my thoughts when we get to Shin Godzilla. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I get, I get that. I completely understand that because objectively, yeah, he works best on his own. He works best uh, if you want. Like, I, I don't necessarily believe there's such a such a thing as an objectively good movie. I always think it, it it's. I, I think every piece of art is subjective, and mm-hmm. you, everyone has their own take on it. But mm-hmm. I, I, I do think Godzilla works best as a as a villain. And if I had to craft a Godzilla story now with King of the Monsters already having been done, I would use him as the villain. But it was just so refreshing to see a movie made by someone who clearly felt the same way I did. Who was given his own toy box and decided to make the biggest, most... Godzilla's the biggest, best hero ever <laughs> movie. <laughs> Because you have Ghidorah as like the epitome of all evil yeah. in this movie. He <laughs> he is the devil here. He, the, the camera treats him like Satan. Like he poses in front of the goddamn cross and says, I'm God now. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then the movie ends with every monster bowing down to Godzilla. Like what's not, if you approach it with the right mindset of like, you know, if you, if you get in touch with like your inner child and you see that like specific imagery, what's not to love? Yeah. Personally yeah, you, speaking. Yeah. I think the, again, you're going to hear me talk about music a lot <laughs> in terms of these Godzilla movies. It's so uh, but, but it really for is. that particular one, the fact that they use his, his music and like recompose it, repurpose it and brought it back when he first shows up to fight Ghidorah. Yeah. And then how they use it there at the Battle of Boston. Freaking oh my amazing. god. And then like they all kind they all kind of uh, blend together. It yes. goes it goes from Godzilla's theme to Mothra's theme to uh, uh Ghidorah's newer theme, which sounds yes. amazing. And it kind of harkens Edward back. Jans. Yep. It, it kind of har- mm-hmm. uh, Ghidorah's new music harkens back to his music in the Heisei era. Mm-hmm. Actually, you hear those same notes being played. And a credit to them. I know you mentioned how Rodan didn't have his original music in there. Um but that they kept Mothra's theme in there mm-hmm. and then had a little hint of the the twin, the, like those fairy twins from yeah. back in the day. Um, those are all nice little touches to that movie. I think that King of the Monsters financially didn't do that great. No, and I want to say at that time, mm-hmm. I, I want to say that was more than likely because of just the amount of big films that were happening the month before. 
I mean, you had Endgame just zap every movie that came out for a while. It was crowded, definitely. And Endgame mm-hmm. didn't help. And then Aladdin right before it. Yeah, so oh my gosh, probably yeah, probably wasn't the best time to put King of the Monsters there. I think in hindsight, if they let's say they knew COVID was happening, if they had stuck King of the Monsters in December before everything happened, it probably would have been a huge hit. If it had been a Christmas release, yeah, yeah, I, I yeah, agree. it would have done mm-hmm. better than Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> I <think>. Actually, yes. <laughs> oh wait, it'd be up against Rise of Skywalker, well, right? Not if you yeah. put it the week before. Yeah, that's another True. movie I want to see—a Christmas Godzilla movie. Yeah. <laughs> that, that would- Dylan, you joke, that would be super fun. No, yeah, I'm serious. Like, Godzilla in the snow? Uh, well, come on. We technically got that just a little bit. Yeah, we twice. got him fighting <laughs> in the Arctic. We got it twice. We, yeah, yeah. Like, just imagine, like, you think you're seeing a big old, like, ice mountain, and then it's just Godzilla, like, sleeping. Getting up. And just snow just coming <laughs> off of him. Epic. Yeah, let's continue on here. We're going to keep the theme of, like, Showa era and our Americanized MonsterVerse era with mm-hmm. the number eight seed, Godzilla, uh, not to be confused with the original Gojira. This is the 2014 Godzilla, directed by Gareth Edwards. And this one's going up against the number nine seed, Destroy All Monsters, which came out in 1968. And again, directed by Showa-era favorite, Ishiro Honda. Maybe I might be the only one here that actually likes the Godzilla movie from Gareth Edwards. I love it. The way I see it it is, if this is your first time experiencing... Godzilla, like for some reason you don't have the capability to watch Gogeta. This is a good introduction to the character as well. I do Absolutely. see how Gareth Edwards treated Godzilla like Jaws, where they wanted to save him for the end, and I think it was effective in that way. Um, but that's just me. I, I did enjoy this movie. The char- the the human characters are very flat, and they don't help the movie at all. Whereas, with one exception, with, maybe two. With one exception yes. that got killed off, if we're talking about yeah. the same yes. character. Yeah, that we are. Mad. <laughs> okay, yeah, so, spoilers, why did they kill off your best character and actor in the entire movie? The trailer was literally selling him. The whole marketing sold him. Yeah, he was coming off of Breaking Bad, so... Yep. Yeah, that had just ended. Yeah, I think the season finale just happened, and... Mm-hmm. I was so shocked when, and the way he died too, it was like off in the distance. You just see him mm-hmm. fall and you're like, wait, no, what? <laughs> I remember when this movie came out and that's everything. That was the main takeaway that people had from this movie was that they killed off Brian Cranston. And I'm like, wait, why would they do that? Yeah. I, I, that just didn't ever make sense to me. And I also heard that the movie, I, this is one of the ones that I didn't get a chance to uh, watch, uh, I'm not sure if I said this already. I haven't seen any Godzilla movie uh, before I had uh, seen that original. So every single one that we were talking about, I had seen for the first time. And unfortunately, this is one of the casualties that I didn't get around to. Um, but I think it's recent enough to where I, I know the general talking points. Yeah, Brian Cranston was killed off and it did the movie a huge disservice because uh, from then on, it was it was just very flat and not exciting especially and i think that's why people didn't like that they were saving godzilla because they were trying to do both i appreciated it and can we just uh, acknowledge or like kind of talk about the design of godzilla i mean this yes. boy is chonky yeah. and mm-hmm. he looks a like boy. a bear and i love him i just <laughs> want to give him a big old hug he might kill me <laughs> I, the I think this button. one has the best sound design of an, of any Godzilla. Yes, this one has the absolute best sound design. Um, it also has my favorite design. I do have one little nitpick that I wish the arms were longer, so that way Godzilla can punch like he used to. But 
<laughs> but yeah, uh, I think the legendary Godzilla is the quintessential Godzilla design. Ooh. Yes. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I thought that was going to be a hot take for me. Is like, this Godzilla is the best designed, and I, he's forever I my have, favorite. I have special places in my heart for certain suits of Godzilla. Yes. I, like, I love the GMK suit. I love the the King Kong versus Godzilla suit. Uh, but if I'm thinking about Godzilla and I want like something that's a nice statue, cause, like, okay, well, you know what? That's probably not a good <laughs> comparison point because I have a million Godzilla statues of the different, <laughs> the different suits. So, But for a modern audience and for a modernization of Godzilla, that is the best he's ever looked. I, I do like that um, you kind of get a... It, like especially if you're follow like you followed like the little comics that they had between this Godzilla and the one that we just talked about the 2019. Um, yeah, I like that. There's like an origin to how we he got his used spines, to, how he got his spikes, how he got his dorsal fins to look how we're used to seeing. Yeah, um, and how it, like it makes a difference on his his uh, atomic breath. Yeah. Oh, talk about a great moment in that movie in the the 2014 one where you get to see him charging up his atomic breath for the first time. Yes. Beautiful. That was the loudest I had ever cheered in a movie theater because going into that movie, I was fully expecting a Godzilla's the bad guy movie. Mm. Uh, And um, (laughs) so sitting there in the theater with my friend next to me, seeing that they were actually building up Godzilla to be the good monster, quote unquote, and we get the atomic breath. That was what I had wanted the most, and I wasn't sure it was going to happen because, you know, the sillier aspects of Godzilla tend to get tossed to the wayside for Americanized adaptations. But seeing when the when that light came on on Eric Johnson's face and it, it slowly traveled up his tail through his spine, uh, I was shaking in my seat, and the entire theater erupted in applause with me probably being the loudest, hitting <laughs> my friend next to me like i was slapping him in the thigh i was so excited <laughs> the final shot of him walking off into the water made me so happy that <laughs> he slept first he took a nap and was like all right i'm gone but i'm saying like the the camera angle of the shot and like the specific shot of his back facing the camera walking towards the water that's like pulled directly from those old movies mm-hmm. i love how he just kind of like flopped into it like, yeah. he's still tired. And this Godzilla, too, you can tell he's an aged Godzilla. Like He old. Yeah, he's he had, like, there's a part where Aaron Johnson, and really quick, I don't think that Aaron Johnson or the character that he played, uh, I think he was underwritten. And I think you could have had both him and the dad alive throughout the movie. Yeah. I get why they had Aaron Johnson kind of take over, so that way you could get that very uh, interpersonal perspective from inside the city. Uh, when yeah. they do go join the fight, yeah, you can tell. There's a part where Aaron Johnson looks at Godzilla himself, and he kind of he's like down on the ground. He just got knocked down, and he looks tired. He kind of looks at Aaron yeah. Johnson like, "I can't do this anymore, man." They're both exhausted at that point. And what a great way to sync the two characters. That that's that's really cool how they did that. Wow, that's a very common trope in some of the Godzilla films, though. Where you'll have a human character do something that's very similar to Godzilla and you'll yeah. see them both kind of like contemplate or think or they share a moment. It's such a common thing. So, that... Or have it literally, they're both doing the exact same thing like in Godzilla yes. Final Wars. Final Wars, yeah. Where... And even in the the <laughs> son of Godzilla yeah, where that's happening too and he's beating up the bully yeah. or the guy. No, and, no, and Godzilla... no. Isn't that uh, All Monsters Attack? 
Oh, wait, yeah, you're right. That's all monsters attack. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just just to hit the note where you talked about how both characters could have survived, I think the only thing I would have changed, but obviously I'm not Gareth Edwards who ended up getting his definite okay to go make Rogue One. I uh, I think I think that um, it would have been cool if Aaron Taylor Johnson died, yeah. and you had um, the father played by Brian Cranston kind of recontemplate everything he's done and have him go look for Aaron Taylor Johnson's kid and wife. That's just me though. I love everything about the monsters in this movie. I love the Muto. They're so mm-hmm. in line with the Japanese spirit. They look like you can shove a person inside them as suits. They they look wonderful. I never really understood the complaint of there's not enough Godzilla. I mean, I get it, sure. I always want more Godzilla. Like, you can throw Godzilla in Endgame and it would improve that movie, like, 20, 20-fold. 20 but you got plenty of monster action with the Muto who are genuinely creative creatures with their EMP blasts, their mating rituals. Oh, yes. Um, I mean, I'm, I fall in that category of people that complained about that, um, but I still like it. I think for me it was you had enough scenes to have things cut off and you get that anticipation buildup that I would have at least liked that, you know, that whole round one actually being shown instead of it being on a TV, which was funny. Mm-hmm. Um but if I had seen a little bit more of that, I, I think like me being one of those people, I would have been a lot more satisfied with the film because then I would see, OK, Godzilla got messed up. I know that he didn't win this first fight, and that's why he just looks so satisfied after he kicks it or hits it with his tail into the building. <laughs> yeah, because that is the one that he fights. And I think I, the lack of characters from the characters doesn't help. Yeah, I think if the characters were way, way more interesting and you had Brian Cranston kind of carry that part of the film, I, I think. Maybe you, Emmanuel, would have forgave the lack of Godzilla. You know, you would have mm-hmm. been like, there's no Godzilla, but Brian Cranston's bringing it. Yeah, they, they just yeah. had a, a script problem where they didn't have Godzilla and they didn't have the stronger character. So you just have a huge lull for your movie. And that's why audiences came away mm-hmm. uh, unpleased. I have opinions on Gareth Edwards. I think he's fantastic at uh, directing the monster action and characterizing the monsters, giving them humanity. I don't want to be too mean to the guy, but it's pretty interesting that oftentimes he can't give that same humanity to his human characters. Yeah, the action in Rogue One was really well done, and the characters fell flat. And it's interesting that you have the same comparison, or the same criticism for this for one. For both, yeah. Yeah. And it's really like that in his um, his short film, Monsters. Yes, it is. Like, the, the, char- the characters in there are not that interesting at all. But how the monsters react, how there's world building happening in the background as you see monsters moving around and doing what they're doing, and you're trying to understand what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you get so much more out of the monsters. Granted, that year was a very interesting year in general when it came to like mocap. So people were getting very good at showing a lot more emotion just across the board. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember there being like a rumor that, and why is his name blanking on Andy Serkis? That, plays Gun- that Andy Serkis helped with the mocap. He did, didn't he? Be, he uh, it was just a rumor. It never oh, got okay. confirmed. But I know at the same time, he was very much pioneering a lot of mocap, stu- like pioneering for a lot of mocap stu- studios because he was making the Planet of the Apes films. Yeah, those were going on around the same time. Imagine that, like you have Andy Serkis who played King Kong and Peter Jackson's uh, interpretation back in 20, uh, 2005. And it would have been so cool if he got to say, hey, not only did I play Caesar from Planet of the Apes and King Kong, but I got to play Godzilla. Uh, that would have been 
Amazing. Un- unlike uh, unlike Kyle Chandler, who can only say I faced off against Godzilla and King mm-hmm. Kong. I did hear a rumor that Brian Cranston and Godzilla had disputes on set, and that's why you don't really <laughs> see them on screen all that much. Uh, yeah. That would make a lot of sense. Well, it's because Brian Cranston got got his head swollen from Breaking Bad and didn't, <laughs> didn't like working with a larger presence. Yeah, yeah. He's like, I'm the one who knocks, and Godzilla's like, you know what? It's your the movie. movie's named I'm after out. me. It's literally my movie, Brian. <laughs> yeah, hopefully they patch things up. But let's talk about Destroy All Monsters. And I do want to bring up the plot just because of how, like, insane it is. Female aliens take over Earth's monsters and they begin uh, trying to destroy the human race. Uh, just how out there these plots can get sometimes. I love it. I'm all for it. If you think that's out there, get ready for some of these later ones, man. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's gonna yeah. we're gonna get crazy with Godzilla, and I'm all for it, man. The, it's these crazy plots that lead me to that conclusion that yeah, Godzilla was never really supposed to get this far. It's just studios <laughs> doing all this, and the poster itself here kind of shows like a like a big old like civil war among the monsters. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm pretty, I could only imagine how big this movie was in terms of like events in Japan. It wasn't the Avengers, it was the Endgame. That's a pretty good way to put it, yeah. I, I mean, with Destroy All Monsters, what what was going on at that time is you started to have a lot more like studios on the side that were trying to make their own big monster films, and the quality of them was just not holding up. Yep. And there was a comment that uh, Jalen had made earlier about the uh, original Godzilla movie and how the black and white really helped, especially with their visual effects. But when it came to Godzilla moving into colorization and showing these fights, they didn't shy away from the, the amount of detail and little little buildings. Mm-hmm. And with Destroy All Monsters, just the budget-wise, this film compared to Gamera, which was like the next biggest thing at that time. I think it was like 67 and 65 were the mm-hmm. Gamera films. Uh, this one just blew all of those other movies away. So my short thoughts on it as a kid watching it, thought it was ridiculous. Re- ridiculously awesome with all the different monsters and literal combos that you would see with Godzilla and Angurus <laughs> yeah, yeah. where like they're helping each other and taking out uh, or taking on uh, Ghidorah. Um, there's like this dragon looking thing that's very traditional that, that looks v- M- Manda. And then you have Mila, right? Minya. Mi- Minya. Um, and then you have your Mothra, of course. But I, I like how all the characters have like a little moment and it's enough screen time to show you what each of these monsters can do. Mm-hmm. And while the plot is just out there, but like you said, nowhere way out there as other ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, it definitely knows what it is. But the quality um, that it brings about with the costumes and the miniature destruction is all on point. And of course, the music. My thoughts on this movie were it, I, it was my favorite Godzilla movie as a kid. I loved that final battle, and I still do to this day, because it's, it's hilarious just seeing all the monsters gang up on King Ghidorah. You got Gorosaurus coming in with the dropkick, yes. knocking his ass uh, on the floor, and then <laughs> Minya choking him out with his yeah. ring of smoke. <laughs> but I, I, I watched this again during when, when quarantine started. I did a rewatch of all the Godzilla movies, and it didn't hold up for me. It's a lot of nothing. This movie is typically uh, usually used to mark the end of the golden era of Toho's Godzilla. And I feel like you can feel it with this movie. It's not enough of the the monsters that it's trying to celebrate. 
and too much of the sci-fi plot that had already been done and done better in previous movies. I think that's the reason why it was so high on that list you looked up. It's because it's such an iconic movie. I mean, when you have all monsters in a movie, it's it's going to be huge and it's going to have staying power, whether it was good or not. Oh, what's funny about this movie, too, is that this this was actually the return of Anguirus. He hadn't come yes. out in a movie again since uh, Godzilla Raids again. Just quick mm-hmm. note. Well, he was supposed to be like a one and done, but it, it's like Jalen said, this was just a celebration of all the monsters that had, that had been out by that time that were under under the, the Toho uh, label. Mm-hmm. I don't even necessarily think this movie is bad. I think it's just fine. I think that Destroy All Monsters is the the pinnacle of what people think when they hear about Godzilla mm-hmm. in terms of like the the uh, Showa era. Yeah. And I think that uh, the 2014 Godzilla itself is a, it's a respectable reintroduction to Godzilla. Well said, Emmanuel. And let's move on. Uh, we're going to keep it here. Show era back to back here. We have the number three seed Mothra versus Godzilla going up against the number 14 seed Invasion of Astro Monster came out in 1965. These two movies are just back to back on years. Oh, are they really? Yeah. No, not the not the directors, the the years, because uh, Ghidorah, the three headed monster, was in between these two. So I'm one, uh, I mean, the years could be right. I'm just wondering. Yeah, well, back in the Showa era, these movies, looking them up and doing my research, I did see that some came out like in the same year. They were popping these movies out like. You know what? Yeah, that is true. Well, they kept a lot of. They had like a specific, uh, like a few specific, technically warehouses. Where they kept the costumes, they had all the sets that they could break apart, and they were really working on the, like, as they were working on one set, they would have so much extra pieces of buildings and mountains that they could use to destroy, so it was easy to just, hey, this is what we want to do, we have the space for it, let's start putting it together, and you you had a lot of uh, backgrounds being reused in multiple Showa eras. Yeah, Toho really was the Marvel Studios of the 60s, they were just on point and dishing them out like nobody's business they did have a cinematic universe yeah and all these posters are kind of the same you have the monsters taking up most of this most of the poster and then you have the humans in the bottom right hand corner just like looking up at the monsters all these posters are kind of the same looking back at all of them now for its time mothra versus godzilla i I think that it does a, a good job like having it almost 50 50 in that movie with Mothra and Godzilla. I, I know it's even there in the, the little synopsis of the film, but it, it really is like that. But I, I find it very funny how they were trying to get corporatization involved with the, the plot of Godzilla. Yeah, Parasite is almost as good of a commentary on capitalism as Mothra versus Godzilla. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I love how straight they played it too. How... Yeah, they they were they took it yeah, very seriously. On, on paper, it does sound a little cartoonish, like oh, these two greedy guys try to capitalize on the on Mothra's giant egg. So you kind of like have a already mm-hmm. an image in your head. But how they play it in the movie is very straightforward and a little dark towards the end. Yeah, I, I, I'm. Yeah, it really. Yeah, I agree. It really, really is. I I think that Mothra versus Godzilla for me in that in terms of the Showa era. Mothra is right before you get too much into the camp. And Jalen did say it before, but yeah, going off the success of King Kong versus Godzilla, Toho was like, okay, well, these are clearly a hit, and who else do we have? And maybe mm-hmm. right there, right behind Godzilla, if not more, 
is Mothra, who Toho's like that's their that's their queen right there. And so it was a genius move to mm-hmm. have them meet. Yeah, it was pretty interesting how they're like, well, they they really wanted to do another King Kong versus Godzilla, but unfortunately they couldn't work out an agreement. So they were like, well, who do we have? We have Mothra. I think from there it's like, how are we going to work this out? And I think it worked beautifully. I, I think it they did. picked the perfect yeah. story to go with for it being the first time they meet. This is one of my favorite Godzilla movies. I really love the characters. I know it does sound, you know, cartoony about the, you know, the it being a story on greed, but you can see how violent and dirty it gets by the end of it. Oh yeah. Yeah, and I I just adore the characters in this movie. I adore the monster action. I love Godzilla's introduction being like he rises from the dirt. I mean, yeah, it looks silly. And he the the suit actor is is tripping all over everything in this movie. <laughs> But uh, Godzilla was a legitimate force of destruction again in in this movie. There's a reason why it's number three. And again, thanks to Mr. Honda there, the director, he he kind of like he knows that Godzilla is a big property right now. It's going to sell. And they make sure to get the human characters like with as much respect as the monsters that are fighting. I, I was watching uh, Gamera, Guardi- Guardian of the Universe, the other day. And I was listening to the commentary on it. And I know that going into that movie, something that the directors had wanted to capture the feel of was those old uh, Ishiro Honda kaiju films. Because if you look at movies directed by Ishiro Honda and movies not directed by Ishiro Honda, there's a stark difference in the humanity. Mm -hmm. Uh, He has a lot of scenes dedicated to just showing us what these characters' lives are like at home, how they interact with each other. And to me, that's where the Godzilla movies really excel, is whenever you have a great bound, like you have all the monster stuff down, all the intricacies down with that, like I was saying, but then you get also the human side of it too, and it, it, it grounds you in the reality of the story, and whenever that's done perfectly, it makes for a great film. Yeah, and that that's also why the whole argument of like, oh, we're just here for the monsters, we don't care about the human plot, that doesn't hold weight. Mm-hmm. You can't. You can't have a movie with just monsters. I mean, you could. It'll probably be entertaining. But what separates the good Godzilla movies from the great Godzilla movies are nailing that human aspect. All right. And Invasion of Astro Monster, I have not seen this movie yet. I have. And this is not the (laughs) first movie that has King Ghidorah, right? No. No, no, it is not. The one self-titled is his debut, correct? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, this one's interesting, too, how aliens come to Earth and like, hey, can we borrow Godzilla and Rodan? You know, we just we got a problem over here. Uh, I think that's so cool. And we get like an official subtitle for King Ghidorah, uh, Monster Zero, Mm -hmm. which was which was so cool when they brought that back for King of the Monsters. They called him Monster Zero. Yeah, because of the first monster they discovered. I thought that was cool. I I just want to come from the perspective of the fandom for this (laughs) for this movie. Please, by all means. They love this movie. Mm. This movie is considered top tier Godzilla. Yes. <laughs> a lot of people argue that it has the perfect balance of having compelling human plot and action balanced with monster action and excitement. Personally speaking, it's not one of my favorites, but I can appreciate it. For me, that one was my very first Godzilla movie. Mm-hmm. I saw Invasion of Astro Monster first. That was my very first one. And 
I very much agree. As as a kid, that was my favorite. The, the whole fight for a while, I had a little Rodan toy. Yeah. The Godzilla toy, and I had the Ghidorah toy. And when I would watch that movie, I would be playing with the toys to reenact every little thing that was mm-hmm. happening in there. If if I'm not mistaken, that movie also has the iconic little jump, right? Or is that the other Ghidorah movie? No, no, no. This one has the dance. This one has the dance. Okay, this one has so the dance. this is the a happy moment. Yes. As a kid, loved it. As an as a, as an adult, love it still. It's very much uh, like Mothra versus Godzilla. It's on that 50-50 where like you get enough of the monsters, you get enough of the humans. Um, you brought up a very good point, Jalen, about how that particular director, when it comes to like the human characters, he knows how to like sprinkle them in mm-hmm. and how to show who they are. And I never really thought about that insight till you brought that up right now. But it makes a lot of sense considering this one and also considering that this is one of the first times you see Godzilla deal with like extraterrestrials, like having to go out into yeah. space, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. And and I really do dig the, the again, the design and quality of this film in 65 versus like other monster movies that were coming out at the time. Yes, yes. This one is just like on a different level. The Toho Golden Era was on a completely different level from anything those other studios were trying to do. Oh, uh, interesting tidbit about this movie is that it was an American and Japanese co-production, which is why the actor Nick Adams is in the movie. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I saw the cast list and I saw an American there and I assumed that it was another situation where they brought it over to the U.S. and they weren't confident in it being doing so well. So they inserted an American actor. No, he was in the original as well. And he is a very charismatic actor. He comes out in this one, and he also comes out in, oh my gosh, uh, Frankenstein Conquers the World. Oh, yes. I know which one you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, The introduction to Baragon. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so with this movie, I think what affected my enjoyment of it uh, on my recent rewatch was I've typically tried to watch these movies subbed. Right, with uh, with subtitles. And I'm not one of those people who say, oh, dubs are universally awful. <laughs> dubs have no place in uh, in Godzilla movies. I think there is a place for them, and they do have a charm to them. And they are important for like people who are visually impaired. I, th- I think what it did affect uh, my enjoyment of this movie was... I wish there was a, a movie that had the original Japanese actor speaking Japanese... And Nick Adams speaking English. Because he spoke English in the original movie, but he was dubbed over in Japanese. And so when watching this movie, I wanted to see uh, what Nick Adams' original performance was like. So I watched it in English. So it was a bit jarring seeing the difference in lip flaps between him and the uh, his other actors. I think Godzilla vs. King Ghidorah, uh, later down the list, where they have English speaker... Or they have moments where there's English being spoken... But um, they still dub over it. It's it's really weird. Like the actors are clearly saying their lines in English, but they still decided mm-hmm. to dub over it, and it's it's really jarring. I think one of the reasons why I like this movie less than uh, Ghidorah the Three Headed Monster is the fact that Mothra didn't come back to join the fight again, and the the fight be- with Rodan and, and Godzilla and King Ghidorah, uh, it wasn't as physical as it had been previously it was a lot of throwing rocks (laughs) when all else fails throw rocks Ooh, now we're gonna get into the nitty-gritty here this is probably my one of my favorite matchups here we have number five 
Godzilla, Mothra, and King Ghidorah, giant monsters all-out attack, which came out in 2001 as part of the Millennium Era, and it was directed by Shizuki Kaneko. Kaneko, yeah. He directed the he directed the the Heisei Gamera trilogy, which yes. if you haven't seen that and you're interested in giant monsters, that trilogy is it's up there awesome. with 1954. It is awesome. It's also very brutal. It's very yes. brutal. Then and you see you definitely see that in this one. So I yes, think I do. do have to kind of explain <laughs> this synopsis or the the plot of the movie here. So Godzilla has mysteriously returned to life after his attack on Tokyo in 1954, referencing the original Gojira movie, and protecting Japan from the ravaging monster are the three ancient beasts here. It's Mothra, King Ghidorah, and Baragon. So this is kind of like a very uh, reinvention of Godzilla here. Yes. Uh, One of my favorite movies, actually, in uh, the Godzilla franchise you have a possessed Godzilla, and mm-hmm. this design has to be like my second favorite, right behind the new Godzilla we have today. Uh, but man, this movie is so just bonkers in a good way, in the best way. In the best way, uh, I I remember when I recommended this movie to uh, to you to put on the list. Yeah, uh, I was saying, look, I know the title is silly, <laughs> but it's it, it's also it's also apt and it's also one of the best Godzilla movies. Thank you so much for recommending <laughs> it because I had no idea about this movie, and yeah, oh, I I fell in love with this movie. I have I I have this specific Godzilla on my shelf over here. Oh, me too. His bloodshot white eyes and his just <laughs> white claws and the way he even moves in this movie is terrifying. Yes, he stomps around. Yeah, I mean, look at those feet, man. Big yeah. boy, big boy, really stomps. You could see. I, have you yeah. seen the? I've seen some behind the scenes. Where, Ooh, yes, uh, I have some things about the behind the scenes stuff. Yeah, I've seen some stuff behind the scenes where they were messing they were testing the animatronics on his face, getting all the expressions, right? And it that is just an amazing suit. That is one of my favorite Godzilla suits. And it's one of the most comfortable suits if I'm not mistaken from a lot of the behind the scenes for the guys that are inside it. They they enjoyed he enjoyed being in that particular one. Mhm. Yeah, it looks comfortable cuz you yeah. see it you see it and it actually looks very mobile. Yes. Yeah. Which you definitely see, like in the the action scenes, when you have Ghidorah and Godzilla actually facing off, or Godzilla facing off with uh with Baragon, yeah, like how how emotive the or how how like smooth like the arms and the the fingers, everything moves, mm-hmm. and it, it's such a nice touch and attention to detail, considering that it's not CG aside from you know the the blast and the yeah. fantastical elements that they have in that one. But one thing that I do like, if you notice in certain spots in the movie, are that the eyes like are not only are they already white, but sometimes they'll glow. Yeah, and it's just such a nice touch, such a nice touch. And Godzilla in this movie is terrifying. God, uh, God, for people who don't know, Godzilla in this movie is a villain. Yes, this is the the most villainous he's ever been. He's outright cruel, and it looks like he's even enjoying. The misery he's bringing on to others. I want to point out really quick, uh, one of the best scenes that encapsulates the entire movie. It's when a, a girl has, from yes. the destruction, uh, she's a one not a casualty yet, but she's a, she's trying to recover in a hospital. And here comes Godzilla coming straight. Like It looks like he's coming straight for her. 
And she's like looking him dead in the eyes, terrified, right? And he kind of just goes past the building. And she kind of does like a sigh of relief, like, yeah. I can recover. I can go back to my life. No, immediately you just see Godzilla's tail coming in from the window, just swinging, smashing her to... She's dead. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know if Godzilla, like, if he knew what he was doing. But a part of me wants to say he knew exactly what he was doing. <laughs> he is an a-hole in this movie. He's a monster. And, and King Ghidorah's the good guy. Yeah. And, okay, I'm so glad you didn't, like, really... You didn't explain the movie to me too mm -hmm. much. I wanted, I wanted it to be a fresh experience for you. Okay, and I think that's why I fell in love with it even more, because he was... The way I saw it is he was possessed by multiple spirits. And mm -hmm. when I think possessed, I think of The Exorcist, which is the most traumatizing movie for me personally. So I was like, oh, shoot, this is Exorcist Godzilla... I'm it, it was for me way more terrifying and I know like Japan has their own like spiritual horror genre like the ring uh I don't know I'm not sure when that movie came out but like I'm pretty sure yeah so I'm pretty sure that influenced this movie as well also I do want to give a shout out to Baragon yes poor Baragon he tried he tried okay I I do when I was seeing the behind the scenes <laughs> I saw the actress playing her is so excited to be in a monster suit. It's the cutest thing ever. If anyone can look that up, I know it was Re Oda. She's the one yes. who plays Baragon. And it's so cute because they show behind the scenes of her like in the suit. But she's also doing the little roar that Baragon would do. And obviously they put <laughs> yeah. it in post. They put a, an actual uh, scary roar. But she's doing it and her voice is the cutest thing. <laughs> If you rawr, can... Yes. It... Yeah, she's doing it. It's so cute. I love her. And it was actually the first time a female got to play a monster in a Godzilla movie. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. And shout out to the character, Baragon. They didn't have a chance, but <laughs> nothing but heart. R.I.P. to Baragon. Put some respect on his name. He knew he couldn't win that fight, but he still did it. He was this generation's Anguirus. Which I am bummed out that I remember as a kid watching that for the first time. And I remember thinking it would have been cool to like have Baragon and Anguirus fight Godzilla right here. Yeah. But but I, I understood I understood that like, you know, you get two really iconic ones. You get one that just has not been seen in a while. Put him in here. Mm -hmm. not, and that was fine. Yeah. Originally, this movie wasn't supposed to have Mothra or King Ghidorah, correct? No, it was not. It was supposed to have like the three ancient beasts that represent like the sky, the land. Is... I'm not too familiar on the behind the scenes stuff, but I do. I just know that Mothra and King Ghidorah weren't... There were other characters. No, it was supposed to be uh, other Toho monsters like Baragon who hadn't been used in a while. Yeah. But Toho decided to put in Mothra and King Ghidorah because they're so marketable. Which I get. Uh, I would have liked to have seen those other creatures just because Mothra and Ghidorah, there's plenty of... Yeah. Yeah, they, they have plenty of time on screen. One other thing, Dylan, if you enjoyed this movie, definitely check out the Gamera trilogy. Yes, from, okay, yeah, uh, I definitely will. From Kaneko. Uh, if, you, if you liked that moment of you see the human's perspective on the, the monster attack, and you get it up close and personal, Gamera 3, Revenge of Iris, is a love letter to that trope. Ooh, I love that. Um, and, but Dylan, it's for a monster who's supposed to be the hero. Okay. So... It deconstructs the idea of can a kaiju really be a good guy? Hmm. I like that. I I mean I always see kaiju as nature, whereas like it's a good and it could be a good or a bad thing, kind of like how 
like anything, like rain, you know, like rain, yeah. we need rain to feed our crops, but too much rain, you'll drown. You get a mudslide. Yeah. So it's, it's just nature. You just never know which way it's going to go. And mm -hmm. that's why I have always seen kaiju, big old monsters like these, especially Godzilla. That being said, uh, they do serve specific roles within the script. And I think it's hard to ignore. Like sometimes, yeah, this kaiju is supposed to be the good guy. <laughs> yeah. And we have number 12 seed Godzilla versus Mega Godzilla. The first one of several came out in 1974. This comes from the Showa era. And yeah, we have our debut of Mega Godzilla. For the longest time, I had always thought that Mechagodzilla was just a creation that uh, Japan came up with to combat Godzilla. I never really knew how much aliens were involved, how involved aliens were in this franchise before I started really delving into this. They really like using aliens and otherworldly beings to come and fight Godzilla. And with Godzilla, it's like, yeah, he's bad. He can be the villain, but when it's him versus an alien... You have the, yeah, he's on our side. He's from Earth. Mm -hmm. We want him to beat the alien's ass. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just never knew that Mechagodzilla was an, an alien creation. It's really only the first Mechagodzilla that is an alien creation. Yeah. The Me Mechagodzilla 2 in the Heisei era is what, what you uh, had initially thought he was. Okay. Same thing with Kiryu, who's Mechagodzilla 3 in mm -hmm. uh, Millennium era. And he's made out of, they, they use the bones of the old 54 Godzilla in that one, correct? It's so cool. Ooh, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, it, wow. It, and, it, and, it has, and it has a good arc in terms of the, the, like, the type of spiritual themes mm -hmm. that are happening in there. Because it's very similar to Giant Monsters All-Out all Attack, where you have the, the bones having a type of possession over what's around it yeah and so they have to deal with mechagodzilla but here in godzilla versus mechagodzilla it's strictly aliens so it's such a huge contrast if you're coming from godzilla versus mechagodzilla i think you're going to see something similar in a millennium one and it's completely different yeah but i do like that this particular one was like when you started seeing like actual blood and everything else happening to the monsters i thought that was it, kind of cool it's not quite as brutal as uh godzilla versus gigan <laughs> yeah <laughs> that one yeah. that one that one's pretty brutal <laughs> yeah yeah because gigan is literally walking knives yes, but and freaking saw on the opposite end mechagodzilla is a walking armory he has so many weapons and that they just rip godzilla to shreds he he this i i go back and forth whether this movie terror of mechagodzilla or Godzilla vs. Gigan are the bloodiest Godzilla movies because Godzilla bleeds. Shin Godzilla, I would say, is up there. <laughs> yeah, but the damage isn't necessarily happening to Godzilla in Shin Godzilla. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah, he just leaks blood in the in the beginning. Yeah. Ugh. Oh, during his transformation. Yeah. Oh, that's disgusting. Now, what are your what are you what are your thoughts on King Caesar in here? I love King Caesar. I love the way he moves. He's so yeah. he's so acrobatic. It's like you put a professional wrestler in uh, a Godzilla movie. Yes, yes. Like, like you got a luchador and you put him yeah. in there. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I do like how in this one, all the story stuff aside with the, the aliens and, and the whole little thing that they have going on there, but I, I do very much like um, that you see characters like Anguirus almost get killed. You almost see Godzilla yeah. get killed. You almost see King bad. Caesar get killed. All of them get messed up, but it's because of that armory that's happening with Mechagodzilla that they have to just harass him with everything they have. 
this movie also has my favorite Godzilla-centric plot. I mean, I prefer Terror of Mechagodzilla as a movie to this one, mm-hmm. but it. Ha- <laughs> I love the plot of Godzilla's being framed for crimes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Who is and, doing and, this? And and you know, and I I really feel just because of everything we were finding out about like the the new Godzilla coming out versus Kong, mm-hmm. um, I really feel they're going to take a lot of inspiration from this one. Yeah, but mm-hmm. my well, my favorite line comes from uh, uh comes from the dub. Where uh, Angiris, he knows what's up. He knows that that Godzilla isn't really Godzilla. It's Mecha Godzilla wearing a Godzilla skin, and so Angiris shows up to try and fight him. And the humans around him are like, "What's wrong? Why would um, why would Angilas fight his good friend Godzilla?" <laughs> <laughs> uh, the little guy here, just like in the previous movie, uh, GMK, they never really get their proper like light or like their props. Like, hey. They're the real MVPs in these movies. I, I love Angiris. He's like Godzilla's bro. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite Angiris moments doesn't come from any of the movies. It comes from the comics. There's a comic called Godzilla Legends. It, it has an issue dedicated to Angiris, and he has to stop Destroya by himself. Wow. Now, mm. if you don't know Destroya, that is not an easy feat. Destroya Mm-mm. is one of the monsters who killed Godzilla. Spoilers. Oh, you, 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 you could say you could say twice with with yeah. Destroya. You could say twice, yeah. but we can talk about that later. Yeah, yeah we will. We'll get yeah. there. Yeah, not my personal favorite design of Mechagodzilla. I mean, that's not really. I mean, that's not anyone's fault. It's just a product Honestly, of its time. It is mine. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> it is my favorite Mechagodzilla design. It's one of my favorite kaiju designs. Ooh. Okay. Oh. I think it perfectly represents the era. Yeah. Yeah, it really is, and not a, and I don't see like a product of its time as a bad thing. Um, mm-hmm. it, it looks great for that time and for that movie, and yeah, I, I never thought of King uh, Caesar as a professional wrestler, and I love that now, because what the vibes I was getting was kind of like that. I was like, oh man, this guy's like really agile, like for a big old monster. Like yeah. I think he could take on Godzilla himself if they were to fight. I I, I think that. King Caesar, he's one of those characters like you don't ever want to change, and they don't try to change anything about him in Godzilla Final Wars. When he comes back, he's the same. He's the same, <laughs> the exact same. It was like they, even the costume looks old. <laughs> the the only thing that was missing was his re- wrestling style intro with that woman singing for five minutes yes. straight. <laughs> I love this movie. I really do. Uh, I like Terror of Mechagodzilla more. But because it, Terror of Mechagodzilla actually is a return of Ishiro Honda and of uh, the original composer as well. So you get a lot of those iconic themes that really boost that movie up. But I love Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla with all my heart, too. I love the Showa era in general. I mean, spoiler alert, by the end of this discussion, you're going to see I love most of, if not all of the movies in the Showa era with like one or two exceptions. And even I know we're not really comparing these two movies, but for me, it's a really tough choice to decide between these two right here. Oh, <laughs> yeah. If I had to choose, it'd be GMK, unfortunately. But <laughs> I'll lean towards GMK as well on that yeah. one. Yeah, for sure. Oh. I mean, when you have all of that, how can you not? Oh, let, let wait really quick. I wanted to point out one more thing, and it just goes on what Jalen was talking about. If If we were like comparing these two films... And we're looking at like how the characters are reacting to the monsters and the story with the character, like the human characters. Mm-hmm. Um, it goes back to what you were saying earlier, Jalen, about in Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla. Notice how we have a different director. Yes. And the characters just 
aren't the same. The plot with the humans just mm-hmm. it it's not it's not solidified in there, and so it's a little messy when you are dealing with the human characters. But when you get to the monsters, it's it's fine. John Fukuda had actually done the, been doing the Godzilla movies for a while, and he's done some of the ones I really like. He did uh, as a kid, I didn't like it, but when I did it on my rewatch, it, I wound up really enjoying it. Godzilla versus the Sea Monster. Or Godzilla vs. or Ebra, Terror of the Deep. Mm-hmm. So I I don't think uh, Jen Fukuda is without his benefits. Like he's he's I th- I think he's a good director in his own right. I think he works better with like the monster fights. Like there's a lot of creativity in the fights. Yes, and mm-hmm. creativity in the monsters themselves because the monsters started yes. getting really crazy once he came on board. Yes, but no one handles the humans quite like Ishiro Honda. Uh, these next these are... two, yeah, the Heisei era. They're just going at it. First round, it breaks my heart because I love all of the next four movies we're going to talk about wait what, what you got what, what, what are you what are you reaching for i have um this era is my absolute favorite era i have um this godzilla right here this is your first incarnation of godzilla versus Ghidorah, king Ghidorah. yeah and then i have the godzilla versus destroyer back behind me i love both of these movies and so when i saw that on the on the bracket dylan i was like i hate you i i hate <laughs> <This> myself <laughs> too <laughs> I, this I, is hard. I have one that I lean towards, mm-hmm. but King Godzilla versus King Ghidorah is one that I keep going. And when we get to it, I'll talk about about it more. It's one that like I have to keep constantly reexamining to myself. Okay, yeah. Let's let's start with the number one seed, Godzilla versus Destroya. How do you say that? Just I'm sorry about these names. I'm <laughs> uh, Destroya because it was supposed to be Destroyer, but that word that word was copyrighted by a band. Oh, okay. So we have the number one seed, Godzilla vs. Destroya, which came out in 1995. And in the aftermath of the Oxygen Destroyer brings forth Destroya, a beast only intent on killing Godzilla, who is on the verge of a nuclear meltdown. And it's going up against the number 16 seed, Godzilla vs. King Ghidorah, which came out in 1991 in the same era. And this one involves time travelers, which is... Yeah. Uh, I think that was new for the franchise. I was very surprised to see that Godzilla vs. Destroyer was number one. The concept is great. It's mm-hmm. amazing. I just thought the execution towards like maybe like there's bits of it that I thought would hold it back a little bit. But from mm-hmm. being number one, I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. It's very, very important to the franchise. Like even outside the movie itself, they, they held a funeral for Godzilla. They did. Yeah. This was uh, Japan's death of Superman. Because didn't that happen the same year, the death of Superman? It did. It did. Two it did, icons right? died in the same year. <gasps> yeah, that was a that was a massive year. Yeah. And it was a retirement year because they had just had an anniversary. I think it was the 40th anniversary before this. Yeah. And with Godzilla versus Destroya, it was like, hey, we're going to we're going all out. And they had already started to establish the rights for um, there to be a new Godzilla movie coming mm-hmm. out in America. Yeah. So they were kind of thinking like, we'll take a break and in three years, a new Godzilla movie will come out. We can just relax. We mm-hmm. can focus on all our other Toho properties and give this one a break. Because what I like about this particular Godzilla, Godzilla versus King King Ghidorah doesn't really fall in that that um, Heisei era timeline, per se. Not neatly. Um, not neatly. Um, it feels very out of place. And it's very apparent in the designs because like, like I have these the two Godzillas I showed you, but like the yeah. facial structures of both of them are slightly different, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And um, the 
Godzilla versus King Ghidorah, I would say, is like the GMK of the Heisei era because it's its own thing. But with Godzilla versus Destroyer, it's been such a build up to this particular one um, that for me, there's a big story payoff that I appreciate as the movie's going through mm-hmm. because they're you're rediscovering a new monster. But it's not like the monster's at its final form, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah, that you get to see stages of Destroya come out, and you get to see how the humans are literally impacted by this monster. Mm-hmm. But it, it and I like the nods that they have to aliens. In yeah, it. I was about to say the the impact is aliens. <laughs> yeah, and how the humans have to take care of that. And um, before this one, you had uh, Mechagodzilla two. Yeah, which had wasn't um, it Space Godzilla? Um, mm, yeah, never mind. It was Space Godzilla two two movies before this that one. Yeah. Um, was the one with Mecha Godzilla, the baby Godzilla egg where Rodan had to fight over it with the Mecha, <laughs> yeah. which that's a whole other conversation, but that I is, like that. I think we'll get to it, actually. Yeah. But I, I really, really do like how the Heisei era has tied itself together. Like it's a much tighter story, and that you have movies with Mothra, and I forget the name of the other one. Is it Bantra? Batra. 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 And how, like, they, their whole fight led to Biolanti. And from Biolanti led to um, no, Space uh, Godzilla. Or is no, it the other way around? No, no, no. Uh, Biolante was before Godzilla versus Mothra. Okay, so then that one. Then you had the stuff with with Mothra. Then you had Space Godzilla. But yeah. the, point, the point I'm going with is just how everything ripples into each other perfectly mm-hmm. to me. And while I absolutely love and adore King Ghidorah, the the Godzilla versus King Ghidorah movie because that's that is probably like my number three in, in all of this between these two films I think Godzilla versus Destroya for me takes the cake from the music to the design of Destroya Godzilla the the concept of Godzilla not only does does he have to worry about his son but he has to worry about himself exploding so he's kind of yeah. hindered in that sense and he can't but- fight properly either. It's a very emotional journey for Godzilla in this movie. It it really it really is. Yeah, this is like the most like human Godzilla has ever been. This is the one where I can say like Godzilla becomes a genuine character for me. Like the plot in this movie, it's such the it it's a hero's journey. He has a hero's journey. Mm-hmm. It, it's so cool that they gave Godzilla that, and it's so well done. And I like that you see Godzilla take that loss with his yeah. son. That he hurt. wails in agony. Yes. Because isn't he down, like, at that time? He gets he, knocked down. He is He is down at the time, and uh, the death of Junior happens when Destroyer just, like, drops him from... That is, to me, that that is the saddest scene yeah. next to Godzilla himself um, finally, like, falling apart. Yeah, oh my gosh, that's, but, that still and, and, gets me. And that is such a... And the music in it is so beautiful. Like, it, it's it's sad, but, like the key that it's in is to like lift you up because yeah it's it's literally telling you like this is it this is the end of the era because the humans at this point have already gotten themselves established to take on monsters should any show up but also it it, it tells you but there's a new era coming i guess like hinting yes. towards you know the american movies right at that very end because they make the comment of there could be other godzillas not well, just this one not just that but the the radiation that was supposed to destroy the planet was absorbed mm-hmm. by junior Mm-hmm. which that's a that's a beautiful shot at the end yes yeah. i love the closing shot too because you you see him literally like come out and the light's just there yeah that back light's just beaming through him uh since we're on the topic of junior i just want to say uh 
Godzilla Jr. is one of my favorite concepts. Yes. I love Godzilla being a father. I know it's so weird to say, but... And we'll, we'll talk about this later, because I did see this movie on the list. But Godzilla really started to develop as a character once he got a son. More so for me, when you get to Space Godzilla. Like, just how much of, like, a driven person he is. Space Godzilla's fun, because... <laughs> It's literally, I'm going to kidnap what's what you hold most valuable, Godzilla. Mm-hmm. And in Destroya, it's like, I'm going to kill him. Yeah. It, I'm Space gonna... <laughs> Godzilla, if Space Godzilla was the most comic booky Godzilla ever got, it, Godzilla versus Destroya was the most comic booky Godzilla ever got in a good way. To me, Godzilla versus Destroya is like, it's the Logan. It's the Logan of the Heisei era. Yeah. I weirdly get that. I love how Toho kind of like didn't even hide, you know, like in the marketing of Logan, it was kind of like ambiguous, like it's going to be his last movie, kind of like telling us like he's going to die. No, Toho was like, no, he's dead. This is we're going to kill him. Like we're going to murder him. (laughs) And I love that because because they established very early on that at this point, we need to start getting ready to take him out ourselves because he, he is going to explode. There's there's nothing we can do. And they have to hit him while he's down too. He's yeah. still he's still agonizing over the death of Junior when they start making the moves to lessen his uh, his meltdown. Yeah, because I I mean also consider that the humans did like they do a lot in that last twenty minutes. Mm-hmm. They actually do a lot to take take out Destroyer and also finish off Godzilla. Like that that's such a huge thing because they've always been that fodder in the background. You yeah. Know? They are very proactive in this movie. Now, do you remember the name of the actress that shows up in all of them? Oh, Lord. Uh, she came out in the original, right? Yes, and she's even in Godzilla vs. King Ghidorah, too. Yeah, does... Okay, quick question. Does Akira Takarada come out in this one, too? Yes. Yeah, okay. But I can't I can't remember her name. It's escaping my head. That, that's the other thing I do appreciate with that. Like I said, like the, that the, the fact that the story is pretty pretty in line with itself that they yeah. have a plot like jackson said there's a hero's journey to all of this are you talking about mickey mickey mick mickey yes mm-hmm. i i like that that they kept her specific character in here because you're you're always getting if you're not figuring it out with godzilla's uh actions you're figuring it out with her and mm-hmm. so it's kind of always solidifying like this is what's going through his mind this is what he's feeling and so mickey never feels useless and so because of that She's not necessarily a weak character or I wouldn't really like she is the expository, but I wouldn't call her that per se. She's our literal voice to what's happening with Godzilla. And and I think they handled that very well all the way through, especially in this one. Yeah, Uh, I was surprised, admittedly, Dylan, when you showed me the list and this was number one. It's not it's not necessarily that I want to discredit this movie because I do love this movie. Yeah, same here. Um, I just think it has some foibles that, that hold it back from being the number one Godzilla movie. My thoughts exactly, yeah. Uh, particularly, uh, the, the human exposition can be, uh, a bit slow. But what I do adore about this movie, and I'm, you're gonna hear me, uh, use that, I've been using that word a lot, adore, because I just <laughs> adore every aspect of Godzilla. It's impossible for me to separate that from myself. But... What what I really love about this movie is bring, bringing it back full circle yeah. uh, with Godzilla meeting his, hen, his end at the hands of the Oxygen Destroyer. 
Literally, because Destroyer is made out of the oxygen destroyer. Yeah, Godzilla was born from the nuclear fire, and uh, in that original movie, Sarazawa was so concerned about, I don't want to make the next nuke. I don't want my oxygen destroyer to be the next nuke. But he winds up using it anyway, because there's no other way to defeat Godzilla. And then with this movie, you get, hey, your oxygen destroyer, it was literally the next nuke. In terms of the nuke created Godzilla, oxygen destroyer created Destroyer. Yeah, it's a beautiful send-off for Godzilla. In more ways than one, like that you're ending off an era, you're ending off the character. I think it ended it off better than the show era did. Because I feel like yeah. the show era kind of like trickled down instead of like a definitive ending. Yeah, it petered out. It, it, it kind of ended on a triumphant note. Yeah. Yeah, whereas this one, it, it <laughs> the complete opposite. But also yeah. like that glimmer of hope at the end with mm-hmm. Son of Godzilla. We'll be back yeah. is what they're saying. Like, don't worry. We're killing him, or like we killed him, but also, he'll be back. On the note uh, that I made earlier, where I'd be talking about music a lot, <laughs> the, on the the note. music, <laughs> yeah. Um, th- this whole Heisei era has a very consistent um, score that they just keep adding to. It does, and I I really do appreciate that. Yeah. Um, if you were to like watch specifically like Biolanti, Space Godzilla, and the Mothra films. There, there's a couple scores in there that they play that are themes of the individual monsters. But if you really, like, really pay attention to, like, the way the music is composed, it flows nicely into the next film. And you start hearing similar melodies pop up from the previous one, mm-hmm. even if it's, like, in a different key. And then, like, with Destroya's theme, I like that it kind of has hints of when he fought Ghidorah and when he yeah. fought Biolanti. There's, like, little... Hints in there. Of course, I mean, you can you can never go wrong with the Godzilla's theme, especially yeah. in, in the Heisei era. Because yeah, as a kid, I just remember that being the definitive theme of Godzilla comes from that era. Speaking of music, this movie has the best opening title sequence. Yes, I very much agree with that. And how we see the end of Godzilla here, it's funny because the one it's going up against, Godzilla versus King Ghidorah, we kind of see the beginning, the origins of Godzilla through time travel, which I thought was very fascinating in terms of how to approach the origins of Godzilla, where they flat out just say, yeah, he was a dinosaur. Godzilla versus King King Ghidorah. The, back then, there there was like a huge trend of like playing homages but there were a lot there were very direct homages to american cinema and mm-hmm. so um with godzilla versus king adora like i'll just point out like the obvious ones like terminator in there that's the big one and then a little bit of back to the future you stick that in there too and so colonel spielberg yeah i noticed that and i was like is that Ghidorah created et yeah <laughs> <laughs> the director, the director of, the, of that particular movie, when they were writing it, they they love American cinema, and that's yeah. what they like to watch. It shows. Um, it it really shows, and and I and I dig that, and I dug it more when once I like got I got into film and I rewatched it. And I'm like, did they really do that? That's cool. And I remember watching this as a kid. My favorite part, even now to this day, is the fact that the time travelers aren't aliens they're humans they're they're humans they're just legit humans and and you can you can't necessarily disagree with them completely like they have their own idea of like how they're going to take care of things right Mm -hmm. 
and the people of the present have their own idea, but something still has to happen with all of it. And I dug how we get to see, like you said, the origins of Godzilla. You get to see him as a Godzilla source. Yeah. And um, that whole chunk is my favorite. Like <laughs> if, if there's like a specific chunk of a movie in all the Godzilla movies, it's that. It's just seeing like an old school Godzilla and then him die. The fact that he, he legit dies. And the little like 21 guns that they do and the whole saluting. And that moment whenever uh, he's back in when we're back to the future, whenever he's just staring down Godzilla, I thought they were going to do like this cheesy thing of like, oh, Godzilla's going to turn away like he'll remember. But no, Godzilla just destroys the building. And I was like. Holy crap! Yeah, because this wow. this was legit. Like, like everything that happened then became a legitimate consequence of of all of that. The, the guy assumed that this Godzilla was going to be good, right? Yeah, he was going to be good, just like we assumed that that was going to be the case. Because Godzilla fights Ghidorah at the beginning, remember? And you're like, mm -hmm. oh, okay, cool. God, Godzilla's technically at this point, he he's a good guy at this point. Yeah, it's his arch enemy. Yeah, it's his arch enemy. Of course they're going to make him the good guy. And no, it, it, at the end of the movie, you have to have the repurposed King Ghidorah take down the out-of-control rampaging gun. Yeah, and it's very interesting how they use time to turn the tables mm -hmm. uh, to make Godzilla that enemy. Because uh, especially at this point, what you had the 80, was it the 85 Godzilla? Uh, Godzilla Returns, right? Yeah. And so you see him as a villain, and then you get into this one and all the other ones that lead up into Godzilla vs. Destroya. But I, I do have to admit, I love how they handled it. And I love at the ending when you think Godzilla's dead and he's in the water, and you get the heartbeat. Yeah. That was cool. There's always something at the end of these, like, oh, wait. <laughs> yeah. They always have that. It's so cute. Yeah. Uh, with Godzilla vs. King Ghidorah, this is a movie that I have flip-flopped my whole life really on whether or not i like it uh, i i'm sorry i know uh this, this is just personally speaking uh this is the most showa of the heisei era this okay. is the mo this is the most showa it ever gets and i feel like i should love that but i feel like uh if you take the the cheesiness of the the showa era and you try and put it into the heisei era which takes itself more seriously uh it, i as a kid, I didn't really enjoy this movie. And looking back on it now, I see what it's trying to do. And I just don't think it meshes well together to, ma to make a cohesive product. And that was the thing um, we, we brought up earlier together uh, about how it, it just feels so separated from the mainline story. Yes. But if there's any consolation to it all, it's just the fact that we get to see the Heisei era's interpretation of Godzilla's origins. Yeah. That that it was similar, that you know the bomb is going off. Mm -hmm. I do like what they did with King Adora. They knew that they had to send the Dorats. Yeah. The Dorats. So I think that's another sticking point for me. <laughs> yeah. I didn't like King Ghidorah being man-made, but I know, but you see me, pin, me, uh, nitpicking that kind of stuff. That's not film criticism. That's, that's me just, yeah. The subjective nature of mm, everything. Yeah. Entitled fanboy. Yeah. But, <laughs> but at the, at the same time, while maybe like for, for us collectively, um, Jackson, I don't know how you feel about these origins of King, King Ghidorah, but the design of this one, I feel influences the most current Ghidorah a lot more. Yeah. 
yeah, and I do really dig the music and theme they have for this Ghidorah. To me, mm-hmm. it's the most iconic of them. And I, I th- it was just like a couple days ago. I was listening to it while I was driving on the highway, and I'm like, I, mm-hmm. I love this song. And I love the shots that they get in this one in particular because there's a there, there's just a few shots that do it, where like yeah. you can see Godzilla from the perspective of like a vehicle driving by. Yeah. And and for it to be uh, a shot like that in a film made in the 90s where you're trying to do that as a miniature, I thought that was pretty clever. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. crazy. I was watching some episodes of uh, Ultraman Z the other day. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if anyone's going to get that. But there's a, a, a little segment where a monster's attacking and then you switch to the perspective inside the car and the car like flips over and you're seeing seeing it from the, the car's perspective. It was really neat. And so it's interesting to see like the origins of that kind of that kind of approach to kaiju filmmaking mm-hmm. in this 90s era with with both Godzilla and uh, Gamera. Now, uh, Dylan, you, you've noticed when you were because re- you rewatched these ones in particular, right? The Heiseis? Yeah, I got to see some of these more than all the other ones yeah so so considering that this is the 90s and we have cg all over the place what are your thoughts on their restraint to not using very much cg if not for anything just for the beams hey you know me man i'm i love the practicals uh if if i can get guys in suits then let's do it i'm all for it I think there's times, I mean, like with King of Monst- King of the Monsters, which just came out mm-hmm. not too long ago, it's effective in terms of realism and uh, the scope. You could do so much more, obviously, with CGI. Mm-hmm. But yeah, practical, man. For me, it's not even a nostalgic thing. For me, it's it feels more real. It looks better. It looks so much better. Even Destroya, the movie too. That those there's some shots where you see Godzilla, Destroya, and Godzilla Jr. in the same frame and you feel like you're on a skyscraper looking down at the destruction that's going on and to me that feels so more more real and impactful as opposed to I'm not knocking on King of the Monsters but there's Mm -hmm. times where I look at it and it's like oh you can you can download that image you know you can get that at any time I think it's that that privilege that we have when it comes to practical suits where you have to make it work and there's that extra work and I, I'm glad you brought that up, Emmanuel, because I love how Toho, they made it a whole, like, a legacy. They made it a whole art form of being in a suit. Mm-hmm. People that played Godzilla throughout the years, they always look to the former and saying, oh, I studied that version of Godzilla and I want yeah. to implement my own version of that. And, and I just love how they made it into an art form and how they just created something new out of that. And it adds more character to Godzilla because in, in, if you just have the CG, I mean, yeah, you can still add that character, but you don't get that human touch of the man actually channeling his emotions as Godzilla. It just adds a lot more, especially when you want to use him as a character like in Destroy It. That, that goes to that. That's a huge point you bring up, because especially like in movies like Destroy It, when when Junior dies or in this one with King Ghidorah, um, like there's a scene in King Ghidorah where Ghidorah tries to do something that's a little sneaky and Godzilla does like this head shake like did you really try doing that to me and then just blows off the head Th- those little subtleties yeah. like that where versus like Godzilla's doing a little dance right <laughs> um it, it adds a lot to the animalistic behavior that Godzilla has but still giving him that little bit of humanity it comes from an actual actor yeah it comes from an actual actor versus like what we're seeing with the current ones or rather like the one that came out in 98 you know mm-hmm. 
uh, you get so much more out of Godzilla, specifically in this Heisei era. My my final thoughts on both these films are that like if you're if you're trying to show like a little kid Godzilla for the first time, but let's say they have like you know better thought process, and I'm just thinking about like how my older brother showed my nephew. Uh, but he showed him Godzilla versus King Ghidorah. That way he could see the origins of Godzilla. And strictly just for that. And then he got hooked on watching all the Heiseis. And those are his favorite right now. But right now he's going through a binge of watching the, the Showas. I don't think you can go wrong with either one of these films. I think that story-wise, Destroya is probably the stronger one. If you're looking for something that shows you pinnacle introductions to Godzilla that isn't too far campy but you like the showa era i think godzilla versus king kong or godzilla versus king adora <laughs> yeah. godzilla versus king adora is probably the one that you want if you miss the showa era type of camp that's what yeah. you want to watch i'm not gonna pick between these two movies because i think they're both really good in their own rights i mean like i like i said earlier i have my own, my own personal preference here but you can't go wrong with either one of them they both are gorgeous movies yes they both do a lot of wild stuff with their plots one's more wild than the other so if you want if you want to go into godzilla with the expectation of that old campy feeling of like oh godzilla's about sci-fi and and all of that you you go with godzilla versus king Ghidorah. If you want to look at Godzilla more as a character, you do get that in Godzilla vs. King Ghidorah too. But if you want to emotionally relate to Godzilla, Godzilla vs. Destroya. If I was doing a binge of Godzilla, for sure, Destroya would be the last Godzilla movie to watch in that binge. Yes. It's the perfect send-off for the character. And yeah, King Ghidorah, I think I kind of agree with Jalen where I think I love the concept more than the execution. Mm Mm-hmm. On paper, time traveling and showing the origins of Godzilla sounds great. And I do, I, I really enjoy what they did with the movie. I just feel like there are some things that they could have done just a little bit better. So really, really, really quick. I just want to throw, out the, throw this out there. It's a nice little uh, Easter egg and um, mild promotion of this. But um, not for myself, but back in the 90s, there were companies that Japan and China had where they would send America, you know, those dinosaurs that you'd buy like at a Dollar Tree or something like that. Um, I happened to stumble across when I was a kid, and I have the toy back in Kingsville, but I got one of the dinosaur packs. And for a little while during the 90s, if you found these dinosaur packs that, were, that said uh, Japan says China, you could find a Godzilla Saurus with the dinosaurs that were in there. I have. So I actually, I, I, yeah, it's cool, right? Yeah. So, so I have a, a Godzilla Saurus uh, with me, and it was something I only just discovered, like, was a thing that they were doing to just put out there in such a nonchalant way, like, hey, you don't know this is in there, but if you find it, it's in there. Subliminal promotion. <laughs> Subliminal really promotion. One other thing I wanted to bring up about Godzilla versus King Ghidorah that I, I, I didn't think, I don't think was brought up. Mecha King Ghidorah is a fantastic looking creature. <laughs> Yes, and the music for her—it's awesome. Or for him, it's awesome. <laughs> I I have Mecha King Ghidorah on my shelf, and I'm looking at him. He just looks like, God, what a good monster design. I'm gonna be honest. Yes, it's a good monster design. But whenever they were like, "Oh, let's just go in the future and bring back King Ghidorah," I'm like, "Okay, now we're starting to get a little hokey." I was like, "I think we're good with the time <laughs> I travel." I think I have a Mecha King Ghidorah in here. It's in my closet, but it's okay. <laughs> my, uh, mine is uh. From when I was a kid, I didn't have a King Ghidorah figure, but I had a Mecha King Ghidorah figure. Oh, that's and the I one pl- I have. I played with it so much that uh, the tail came off, and but it's still there. That's exactly what happened to mine. Hold on. I want to see if it's the same one as mine. 
how many figures do you guys have of Godzilla? I feel like you have them in every part of your room. <laughs> I uh, I do. <laughs> I love how he, I love how Emmanuel just opened his closet randomly, stuck his hand in, and just pulled yeah. out a Mecha Ghidorah. <laughs> uh, uh, Anyone uh, else would have been like, "Where is this?" And he's like, "No, I know where it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah, right yeah. by my left sock. I, I know exactly <laughs> where I put it." <laughs> it, it is that's pretty random that I have that right. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know what? And if I'm not mistaken, there was like a couple years of a lead up because people weren't being able to see these particular Heisei era movies That's on right. VHS. It was strictly through like Sci-Fi Channel. And so they were having a giant binge about two or three years before the release of the American Godzilla in 98. Mm -hmm. And so in celebration of that, I think it was like the year of that Godzilla coming out, they released all the VHS tapes of yeah. Godzilla all the way through the Heisei and they had this particular art style that we have uh posted up in front of us. Oh, yeah. The posters are gorgeous. Yes. So, shout out to Noriyoshi uh, Orai is the artist's name and yes. these posters are art. These magnificent. Things, they are beautiful. I think that's why again I I love the Heisei era so much like yeah, it's in the 90s. I'm a 90s kid whatever, but Man, these posters, even the one, uh, Jalen, the, the Space Godzilla one. I was about to say, that's my Dylan, one. you are a damn fool for giving me <laughs> this Space Godzilla poster and not keeping it for yourself. I love this thing. No, man, it, if anyone deserved it, it was you, man. I, <laughs> I had a uh, Godzilla versus um, King Ghidorah, like the one that's right there recently. Mm -hmm. And uh, my apartment flooded back in November. Oh, <laughs> and, no. And it got destroyed. I had... I, when I was going through all the different things, I'm like, what is this? And I'm like opening up this this little like folder and I see my posters in there and I'm like, dang it. Yeah, well, let's uh, let's continue on to the next uh, matchup here again. These posters, man. That They're is a gorgeous, gorgeous poster right? too. The uh, Mega Godzilla one is just, oh, I think that Insane. one has to be my favorite of all time. Uh, but yeah, let's go into it. So number six seed, Godzilla versus Mega Godzilla 2. This one came out in 1993, and it's going up against the number 11 seed, Godzilla vs. Biolanti, which came out in 1989. Mm -hmm. uh, Mechagodzilla 2, this one has to be my favorite design of Mechagodzilla. Am I alone here? I have to I have to say that's like my second favorite design. Yeah. Um, for me, he's a big boy. <laughs> he's real, he's real <laughs> chunky. Yeah, he um, is chunky. He, and... he's, not, he's not like how he looks on the, on the poster. Uh -uh. He, he's no. real chunky, but I mean, it matches the aesthetic and style of that particular Godzilla because this Godzilla, like, he has he thunder thick. thighs. Like, if yeah. he's thick. He's he's the thickest Godzilla there is because your fit Godzilla is the one that's benching and squatting in the <laughs> other ones. This boy just eats a lot, and so they just had to <laughs> match that. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I do have to say that in terms of, like, the head sculpt of this Mecha Godzilla, it's my favorite head sculpt of it. I think that's what sells me. Yeah, the the head sculpt, it, it is mm -hmm. awesome, and I, I do have to give credit to like the like armaments they stick on this one. It, it's just awesome, and the poster for him right here is just as cool. My favorite design for Mechagodzilla would probably be the Millennia era. Kiryu is a very Kiryu. strong design. That's my favorite design. And fun fact, I do have the Mechagodzilla one in the closet, <laughs> but it's in a box, and I'm not going to take that out right now. <laughs> I actually had this Mechagodzilla cool. as a kid. It was part of a, it was part of an old toy line, I think, called Battle Masters. Trend Masters. 
Trend Masters. There we yeah. go. Yeah. So Trend Masters and the company that was working with, I know this is, it mildly has something to do with all this. But <laughs> at the time, uh, there were companies that were trying to get bids for toy designs. And there were two companies that were um, in high competition with each other, Trend Masters. And I forget the name of the other one, but they ended up getting the Star Wars figures. And <laughs> weirdly enough, they both were giving their designs for everything real like buff muscles or... Mm-hmm. Uh, making them look a little like thicker and like uh, stockier but their most popular line of figures came from all of these Heisei era toys yeah yeah and this is the movie where we get introduced to Godzilla Jr correct it is yes it is yeah he looks he looks beautiful I love this little baby uh, Godzilla that we have Uh, he's my favorite design I guess I mean there's not much to pick from right but I love how here he actually, how he plays into the story, uh, I think it's like the most effective that we've seen from mm-hmm. like Son of Godzilla or Junior, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but just like a mini version of Godzilla. I, I love how he plays with the human characters yeah. in this movie. I am an avid Son of Godzilla defender. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I will admit uh, Junior's implementation into this movie uh, beats out the the Showa era's implementation. Yes, and just design wise, across yeah. the board, it's nice because you 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 literally <laughs> get to see him in every stage between the egg, yeah, and freshly out of the egg. Which, by the way, the I know that they they mainly work animatronics on like little bits or like the eyebrows of their monsters, right? Mm-hmm. But I think that they had such a good use of animatronics used for Junior in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, I I really really dug it, and I want to say it was also um partially a costume suit. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, and and I do like that his purpose in here is especially when he's an egg is a fight between Godzilla and Rodan. Like they yeah. they want they want the egg. They both want the egg. I don't know what business Rodan wants with it. He probably think uh, I probably if I remember correctly. Yes, that that's mm-hmm. right. It's been a while since I've seen this specific movie. Yeah, so I I would I like that that Rodan and Godzilla get to have like we get to see a modernized Rodan in here. What a great way to reintroduce Rodan to using the egg. Yes, and it, and it made sense. It was a it very does. no no pun intended. It was just an organic usage of mm-hmm. these two characters having to have something to fight over. And then, it was, yeah. And then introduce Mechagodzilla because it was making Godzilla kind of on edge to everything in this movie. And it was making yeah. Rodan just inadvertently destroy things. So, but both of them were the last of their kinds. Yeah. And so they think there's hope for another. And so they both uh, gravitate towards that egg. And then mm-hmm. you and then you have man trying to interfere with nature mm-hmm. with uh, with a um, a grotesque <laughs> uh, mechanoid uh, facsimile of Godzilla. Mm-hmm. It's like it, it's great. Which you do bring up a great point because this Heisei era, I guess, in a way, you could look at this era as like the end of monsters, because everything that has been created that Godzilla and creatures like Rodan and Mothra have to fight um, have all been inadvertently created by humans. Mm-hmm. Between Biolanti and Space Godzilla, being a result of the fight with Biolanti. Yes. Yeah. And then you have Destroya. It's very interesting to see how all those characters trickle out and move on to the point that when you do get to Destroya after Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla and all that, Godzilla and his son are in a way the last of the monsters for right now. 
Yeah, and it it's it's beautiful. It's poetic having you know Rodan and and Godzilla actually team up at the end yeah. against mm-hmm. Mechagodzilla. Yeah, uh, and Rodan sacrifices his life to ensure that another species survives. Yeah, it may it may not be his own species, but you know he doesn't want to see another species go extinct, and it. it the the thing I love about Junior, whenever he gets introduced, it humanizes the kaiju so much, in a way that you don't get when Junior's not there. Yeah, and and not only does it humanize him, but you get to experience with the characters the importance of Junior existing, mm-hmm. and and the repercussions and consequences of hey, what happens if we allow this creature to live? What happens if we take advantage of having this creature? Can we study him? Can we do this? Can we do that? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I like that this particular one, though it seems smaller in scale compared to the other ones, because it's a small story in reality. It it's is. A smaller, it's a smaller story between the, re- the, the rest in this particular era next to, uh, Godzilla Returns. Mm-hmm. But what I like and appreciate is that you literally do have the world paying attention to this particular issue because you have the potential of interfering with something or destroying something that would be important to keeping one of the most dangerous creatures on earth okay with you all so if you mess up he's going to turn on you guys yeah which which does become um a fear later on that that the the human characters start to have but i do like that this particular one is challenging that relationship between godzilla and the humans that he's had up to till up until this point you know what would be fantastic going off topic for a split second I know uh, that we most likely aren't going to get any more American Godzilla movies after mm-hmm. Godzilla vs. Kong. But I think the way to go going forward, like, let's say they do wind up, like, it, it, it turns out to be such a big success, they have no choice but to continue the MonsterVerse. The st- I think the step going forward is to introduce Junior. That would be so cool. I would yeah. love that. And I, would, I wouldn't even be opposed to, let's say we get Mechagodzilla coming up, right? And the... The machine is destroyed, but let's reintroduce this plot line. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure they could find a way to make it work. And you know what would actually be interesting, too? This is just purely hypothetical. This is going off of the idea of, okay, the rights, Legendary's rights for Godzilla run out. If okay. Godzilla, at the end of this movie, is Godzilla versus Destroyed. I, I don't know. This is not me spoiling anything. This is just a theory. How cool would it be? If the next Godzilla we get was raised by Kong, I was I was just I was just thinking that actually not not too long ago I w- I was thinking about this just because of the history that the two characters have and mm-hmm. the fact that um if Mechagodzilla is in here and this Godzilla that we know gets killed right who's to say that there isn't an egg and yeah. that on Monster Island that's or Skull Island that's where the last egg is. Yeah, and so I, I I'm very much on that same wavelength that I've been thinking that what if the next Godzilla is raised by Kong and eventually one day you get a oh that would be so cool yeah and 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 an introduce because I've I've been on the on the the camp of that head that is that has remained from Ghidorah is going to mutate into Destroya, mm. which Ooh. which in I the title in the title of the the names I mean Ghidorah Destroya like it yeah. kind of just fits in there 
And it was hit with the oxygen destroyer. But I think I think we've gone off topic. But but driving but driving it back into into how things change and mutate, there is Godzilla versus Biollante. And oh, there how- we go. <laughs> so when when I was a kid, uh, Dylan, I used to call this Godzilla versus Plant because I couldn't. I was about it. my transition <laughs> for from this movie to Biollante was going to be feed me, Seymour. <laughs> um, <laughs> Just from a design standpoint, and the concept behind Biolanti is so, it's like mad science Like yeah. I, I, with spirituality. I yeah, it's yeah. so. Uh, it's my favorite for a, a different type of reason compared to the other monsters that Godzilla has fought. Mm-hmm. It's it just so out there and just so creative. I believe that this story was actually submitted. There was a contest. A dentist. It was. It was written by a dentist. Oh. Wow! <laughs> oh, what? Okay, so like it is like little shop of horrors. <laughs> yeah, he um uh after uh the return of Godzilla, Toho held a contest to see what the next Godzilla movie was going to be about, and Godzilla versus Biollante was a script that a, a dentist had wrote and sent in. Yeah, and for those who don't know, it's a scientist pretty much combines Godzilla's genetic code with a rose and DNA of her deceased daughter. I mean, that's so like. That's mad science. That's so weird and creepy. And it makes for a beautiful, ugly monster. And I love how in this one, it's uh, Godzilla emerges from a volcano. Yeah. Because that's how the previous one ended. Yeah. I kind of like how uh, we talked about Rodan. Yeah. Like, oh, he died from a volcano. It's like, no, he's actually going to be like a phoenix, kind of rebirthed. Yeah. I love how Godzilla just comes out of the volcano. Just like, all right. Like, yeah, <laughs> that was a good warm. It's like he was in a little warm blanket. He just came out of it like, ah, oh, you're going to shake it off. And all right, look, Japan, let's destroy it. <laughs> I think Godzilla versus Biollante is my favorite Heisei. Okay. Uh, era movie. I, I'm not mad about that at all. I, I, I can see why. Yeah, because it, it's so wild with the the whole spirituality aspect of it. Mm-hmm. It has so much going on. There's a lot of geopolitical uh, antics. I think is absolutely the wrong word, but it it, it it's it's globe it's global spanning. It, it Godzilla's design, uh, his design in this movie kind of marked what Godzilla would look like going forward. Because mm-hmm. if you look at Return of Godzilla, it's a different suit, absolutely, and. As far as uh, going back to what y'all were talking about earlier, I wanted to wait till Godzilla versus Biollante to bring this up on my end. I don't get upset, but I do get weirded out when people say, oh, pseudimation looks cheap. It doesn't look realistic at all. Men in rubber suits, right? Look at the monsters in this movie. I think this is one of the most gorgeous Godzilla movies and Biollante is a stunning creation. Also has a very great palette in terms of its cinematography in there. Mm-hmm. The colors in Godzilla versus Biollante are awesome, and the music in there also a little haunting, especially Biollante's theme. Which is funny because uh, the, I know you said that uh, the Heisei tends to have more of a consistent musical tone. Mm-hmm. There are some uh, moments here where it's transitioning from Godzilla's theme dun, 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 and then it kind of starts shredding into like an electric guitar yeah. specifically when <laughs> the soldiers are like fighting amongst themselves or like fighting terrorists or something that is kind of funny uh i was going to say um the scenes with Violante when Violante's like just forming out in like amongst the humans very much gave me those little shop of horror vibes 
mm-hmm. but I, I have to give this movie because I really didn't think about it till right now. But this movie in particular has a lot of animatronic, like animatronic things happening in here. Yeah, there there are so many vines being used and moving around. Lot so much string work that is done well in here that you don't notice them, mm-hmm. and and it really goes. It really like reflects on what you were talking about when it concerns people saying that like you know suit suitmation just doesn't look real enough, but like you were saying with Biolanti, Biolanti has my favorite monster design amongst yeah. the Heisei series. The the fact that they capitalize on that design when you move into a uh, Space Godzilla, like there's little hints yeah. of Biolanti on Space mm-hmm. Godzilla is just such a nice touch. It's so cool. Mm-hmm. Uh this movie was always something of like, it, this movie had like a mythic quality to me as a kid, because the main way I would see Godzilla movies as a kid was I would go to a little store called Top Video. Oh, nice! And I would browse through the sci-fi and horror er- uh, areas to look for new Godzilla movies. So I was always like captivated by ones I didn't recognize. So when I got like Godzilla versus the Cosmic Monster, and it turned out just to be Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla. <laughs> <laughs> that was cool. But the one that always captivated me, because wh- the it was the VHS cover, and it was this specific poster that we're looking at. And since this is an audio format, it's Godzilla with his back turned towards the camera. And uh, in front of him is this giant rose bestial looking thing. It's hard to describe. And I remember seeing that, that cover and being like, wow, what? Is that monster that he's fighting? So, Jackson, you Jackson, did you grow up in Kingsville? Yes, I did. Okay, so do you remember Hollywood Video? I never went. Okay, sadness. Well, yeah. Hollywood Video. I was a blockbuster kid. Well, blockbuster, we, we had a, we had a Hollywood here and uh, down here. So, so yeah. Hollywood Video and Blockbuster both had this poster near the Godzilla section. Oh, um, uh, Blockbuster had a banner over all the uh, monster movies, like suitmation monster movies, they had a little mm-hmm. banner. and if it, it, But it wasn't of the rest of Godzilla. It was like kind of cut out. Like you saw Godzilla's head, but you saw like the rest of Biolanti taking up the banner. Yeah. And my favorite thing about this was at Hollywood Video, when you would go there next to the section where Godzilla was for like about a month or two when I was a kid, they had the poster, but they had banners of just the, uh, like the flowers that, move off on the side mm-hmm. and i was just thinking about that right now and i thought that was the coolest thing ever i, I miss people having that kind of promotion for movies or just yeah 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 posters are a, a different way to to market a movie i mean yeah like you mentioned jalen just looking at the poster the specific one it looks like it's trying to like hypnotize you it does to watch the movie the thing is i was so terrified of this box as a kid. <laughs> I can see why, yeah. I don't want anything to do with that. So by the time I worked up the courage to go rent it, the the store had closed. And this oh. this movie was lost for me. And I wasn't oh, able wow. and I wasn't able to see it again. And I I wasn't able to see it for the first time until someone got me the DVD for it as a gift in college. Both great movies. Um both fantastic movies. Both fantastic. Yeah. They, it's really hard to choose. They they are in their own right nicely fit into the Heisei era. Mm-hmm. They tie in their own ways. They they're on different spectrums of when the Heisei era was happening. I will note that this also has given me an like a realization on the contrast of um 
the style that they go for in each movie mm-hmm. where Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla is very very much inspired by tech and Biolanti is very much inspired by just the spiritual the whole like spiritual horror yeah and 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 I and I dig that just that first form of Biolante with the with the giant rose that just sprouts from the earth it's beautiful I don't think you can go wrong with either of these movies I think if you're looking for more of a a human tale that and you want to relate with the humans more because Godzilla is more of a threatening presence in Godzilla versus Biolante uh, it's kind of like the same thing with the uh, with the previous bracket with Godzilla vs. Destroya and Godzilla vs. King Ghidorah. Uh, you're going to relate more to the humans in Godzilla vs. Biollante, especially because it is about loss and dealing with the death of your daughter. But Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla 2 humanizes the kaiju. So if you want to empathize with the kaiju, that's the one to go with. I think. But you can't go wrong with picking either of these. Well put. Well, yeah, we're almost out of the woods with the Heisei era. Uh, the one that started off the era the number seven seed is return of godzilla coming out in 1984 and it's going up against the number 10 seed Ghidorah, the three-headed monster and yeah return of godzilla this one for me it's a great reintroduction to godzilla if you can just show somebody gojira and then just go straight into return of godzilla to kind of make your way through the heisei era Mm -hmm. it does it so well yeah, that's what it was designed to do. It was supposed to uh, be a soft reboot for the series and be a direct sequel to 1954. Funny thing about this movie is that for the lo- uh, for a long time, much like the original, this specific, the Japanese cut of this movie was unattainable for the longest time up until it got released on Blu-ray a few years back. And so oh, wow. the version we had in America was the Americanized re-edit. I'm not sure what it was called, but all I, I think know... it was just called Godzilla 1984. Yeah, and uh, it, it had scenes edited in with, uh, they actually brought back Raymond Burr from the original American cut of King of the Mon- of uh, Gojira, which turned into King of the Monsters. And uh, one of my favorite tidbits about this movie, and it's weird because it doesn't have anything to do with the original Japanese cut itself, but when they brought Raymond Burr back for Return of Godzilla, uh, he refused to do any comedy or campy themes because he absolutely respected the hell of out of, he understood what the original was doing and he wanted to honor that spirit. So you're not, you're not going to see him holding any Dr. Pepper. (laughs) So on the note of honoring, since throughout this whole podcast, I've been popping out toys. Yes. (laughs) Here's your return to Godzilla. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Um, I'm actually wearing return of Godzilla pajamas. Nice. Um, (laughs) The, this one has, if if I'm not mistaken, this one had the highest budget of of the Heisei era. Yeah, um, it was it was a Titanic return. Yeah, and and you see that in the buildings, uh, they have a lot of shots mm-hmm. with Godzilla at night, and the fact of like how how much detail they put in the buildings with the lights and the amount of shots of people yeah. running away with that Godzilla in the background. Yeah, look pretty darn good for 84 it did get a rename i think it was godzilla 80 1985 was the title for yes. the american release i like that they kept the design of that mm-hmm. godzilla and uh but really only changing the the face and i think part of that was because it was almost completely animatronic on the head mm-hmm. 
and in terms of the music they introduced they recompositioned the godzilla theme in there slightly still obviously paying homage to the original theme but it it, yeah. it set up the the way we would be getting our scores and a lot of themes that you would hear in the later heisei era films yeah i totally f- forgot because it's been a while since i've seen return of godzilla but i totally forgot that they had brought in uh Rimber, and i i didn't know that he had requested that i just assumed that's how they wrote the character and and i remember thinking that was a nice little touch they did mm-hmm. i saw return of godzilla probably after i saw the american godzilla in the 90s yeah and as a kid i i liked it it wasn't my favorite um but but i liked it as i would get older and watch it and yeah. the last time i watched it was probably like 20 no it was right before i saw godzilla king uh king of the monsters the new one mm-hmm. And and I remember thinking that this one, this one, and Shin Godzilla both do a great job at establishing Godzilla as a villain. Yeah, uh, Return of Godzilla is one of those movies that it gets better the older you get while you watch it. You want to know what my favorite thing about this movie is? The lighting. Yeah. I I I love how atmospheric it is. I love how when Godzilla's stomping through the city, it you can you can tell it's a soundstage. But you know what? I love that. I love seeing the red light like kind of reflect off of the 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 matte paintings they got in the background. It's it's so gorgeous. Yeah, this for me is like visually the like what you want to show someone that doesn't know what Godzilla is. It's just footage of him going through the city and mm-hmm. it looks so beautiful like yeah. you said like obviously it's a sound stage but you don't mind it at all because of how detailed everything is. It contributes to its it's beauty, I think. No, yeah, and I, I lo- one that sticks out to me is when uh, Godzilla's knocked over and he kind of crashes into a building. Yeah, yeah. It's that whole like in your mind, you know, it's fake, but like once you lend yourself to the movie, it's so jarring <laughs> in terms of scope, especially when you see the people running yeah. like at the bottom front of the screen. Which a nice effect how they pulled that off. Yeah. This one, to me, is one of my favorites. I love that it's number seven. I, I think it's a beautiful spot for it to be in. It's a great movie to watch. It was also the introduction of the Super X, which would come back constantly throughout the yes. NSA. As a film and as a standalone Godzilla, like if you're looking for something fresh, kind of like GMK or anything like that, that that's one you'd want to check out. Yeah, this is this is one of the ones you show to someone who, who isn't a Godzilla fan and you kind of want to introduce them to the franchise. All right, well, let's move on to the number 10 here, uh, Ghidorah. <laughs> this is one of my favorites. I am not going to lie. Because this marked the turning point in the Showa era. This was really the first time, because Godzilla had been a villain up until this point. And it was really with this movie that he started to become the defender of Earth. That he became the, the champion of all. Ishiro Honda, again, knows how to make really compelling, really relatable human characters. This was one of the movies where I never once, like, checked my phone during the human se- uh, human portions, just because I found those human characters so charming. And I know people like to give grief to the uh, princess subplot, but I found it oddly engaging. It It felt like it could work as its own standalone movie there. And I didn't mind that it was separate 
from the kaiju action going on because I enjoyed seeing what would happen if someone was trying to, you know, it, I enjoyed seeing something that was more closer to a James Bond movie happening concurrent with a kaiju uh, battle going on. Yeah, and uh, Ghidorah, the, th- uh, the three-headed monster, of course, this, to put it into perspective for a modern audience, this was like the Avengers. Yeah, you definitely, yeah, I agree with that because you had Rodan pop in there, you had Godzilla, and you had them like in their, in literal, their literal transition of going from bad guy to good guy. And you've got Mothra. Mm-hmm. And you got Mothra. But I, I like that Mothra is a worm. It's mainly just the larva state yeah. in this one. Because it's the same Mothra. It's one of the Mothra mm-hmm. twins uh, that popped up from the end of Mothra mm-hmm. versus Godzilla. So I love that it has that continuity mm-hmm. to, to it too. And I also, it, it's such, it, a lot of people look at it as such, a, as such a silly moment. And I recognize that it is. But since I love these kinds of silly moments... I actually really like the scene of Mothra trying to convince Godzilla and Rodan to stop fighting and to team up against King Ghidorah. And we get a translation from the, the Mothra uh, fairies. And that's really the that's really the first time that you ever see things from Godzilla's perspective. Yeah, because later on, you get a com- random conversations between uh, Anguirus and Godzilla. Yeah. Hey, Anguirus. It's really what it sounds like, though. <laughs> yeah, it, it sounds like a, a, a broken uh, record. <laughs> hey, Anguirus, something funny is going on. We better go over there. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, you're, you're going to see a pattern with me where I love the humanization of monsters. I love it when it has a goofy charm to it. And I love it when the human characters are relatable. So you're a kaiju sympathist. I am a kaiju sympathist. Tell that to Japan. (laughs) Godzilla did nothing wrong. I have a theory, and I don't even know if the movies have even touched on this, but I have a feeling that Japan was once Godzilla's, and it's just him like trying to take back his territory. That's like the implication in all of them. Mm -hmm. Because he doesn't really like to travel anywhere per se. Because even because even in like the worst of Godzilla movies, they had to really force him to like chase them in Final Wars, yeah. and they do something very similar to that in God Godzilla versus Kong. But in there, it's simply because he recognizes Ghidorah as a threat and keeps hearing the call, mm-hmm. and is going over there. Yeah. So um, to to have that little theory in there, like I would totally be on board because uh, I don't think they've ever really made that um, known, but it would make sense. You know, it's kind of a shame that uh, King, the original King Kong versus Godzilla isn't on here. That was on purpose. <laughs> I, I wanted to kind of focus on Godzilla in the bracket here solely. Oh, you wanted mm-hmm. to be only him. Okay. Yeah. And then I wanted to focus on King Kong like throughout the episodes that are going to come out later yeah. this month and give him like the reviews of all his movies. Uh, so I, I wanted to leave him out just for that. But we will touch on it mm-hmm. hey i don't even know if you guys are available but i would love to talk about the new godzilla versus kong with y'all i think it would be cool if we had that talk about the new godzilla yeah but then maybe afterwards we could have another show where we just bring out our top five kaiju movies that would be fun that would so be fun the, mm. be, because because toho has a massive library of kaiju films yeah like in the um specifically like in the heisei era there's 
parallel to this, there's a whole storyline of Mothra films. Rebirth of Mothra. And and though and you get Rainbow Mothra, you get Kaiser King Ghidorah in there and uh Mothra Leo. Yes. The most overpowered kaiju to ever exist. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm so that, down for I that. I think that would be pretty cool. And I, I would even say, hey, throw in the Pacific Rim movies in there, too. Mm-hmm. Um, if if you really want to, or any of the animated films, I, I think that would be a cool thing for us to have. And we can just call it the Monster Mash or something. I don't know. Big Monster Mash. Have you all seen the previews coming out for that Godzilla anime series? Yes. Uh, Singular Point? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Looks good. Our last matchup here. Those are two very different movies. <laughs> yeah, I kind of feel bad for one of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Shin Godzilla. We have our number four Shin Godzilla, which came out in 2016 uh, from Toho. And it's going up against our number 13, Son of Godzilla. Uh, before we get into Son of Godzilla, Shin Godzilla. I mean, come on. This is my favorite <sighs> one. Need I say more? My girlfriend, uh, she... God bless her patience, puts up with me and <laughs> my uh, Godzilla obsession. Uh, and it was funny because she told, uh, after we got into a relationship, she was like, you know, uh, well, no, before we got into a relationship, one of the things we had talked about was, hey, did you see that new Godzilla movie? I was like, yes, I loved it. I hated it. Was like, <laughs> <laughs> like it's, oh. it's a miracle we're, we're together. <laughs> but uh, I actually showed her her first Godzilla movie not counting king of the monsters the other day mm-hmm. and it was shin godzilla and she wound mm. up really really enjoying this see it's funny you bring that up because that's the one i'm wanting to show my girlfriend right now yeah. um because she didn't see the 2014 godzilla she hasn't seen kong Squad island she saw uh king of the monsters and thought it was okay mm-hmm. but kind of similar I, I guess it's like a thing but like when it comes to like different fandoms like some some of our girlfriends just they're like kind of cautious about how huge of a fan we are <laughs> i i've i've dialed it down quite a bit oh no she has to <laughs> sleep with the godzilla plushie on the bed there's no there, there's no dial it down i, I try to keep cold. i try to keep anything fandom wise just in this <laughs> particular room but like uh when, when it pertains to like shin godzilla i i really really feel that if somebody wanting if somebody's wanting to entertain the idea of a godzilla film Shin mm-hmm. Godzilla is the one you'd want to show. And yeah. and I and I really feel that because of how separated it is from everything, how well crafted it is from cinematography, your sound design, the monster design, the fact that it was a combination of miniature mocap suit and a costume suit for yeah. Shin Godzilla and of course CG in there. And you get the director who I believe worked on the Attack on Titan film. Yes. If I'm not mistaken. Shinji uh, Shinji Higuchi uh, mm-hmm. funnily, funnily enough, the character from Ava is named after him. Mm-hmm. Shinji Higuchi actually was also the VFX supervisor and director for the Gamera movies, the uh, Gamera trilogy. And that makes a lot of sense because uh, when when it comes to Japanese CG, de- like depending on how the, how it's styled and whatnot, the Gamera movies for the time that they came out were very pre- they, they were very colorful, and any time that you had like beams or anything like that there was always a very unique sound design and when it comes to like shin godzilla and when he starts using like all his different beams the ones out of his back from his mouth and his tail i i really dug how they intertwined a 
the retro sound of Godzilla's uh, atomic breath from yeah. the original one and also modernized it at the same time. Yeah, and it kind of turns into a, a sci-fi beam. Yes, yeah. which I, I thought was very cool. More more Ava-esque mm-hmm. in that regard. Now, uh, Jackson, um, with Chin Godzilla, he's got a bunch of different forms, which we don't really see with other Godzilla movies. Mm-hmm. What, are your, what, what, what are your thoughts? As somebody that was new to that particular one, what are your thoughts on Godzilla having forms? Okay, so Godzilla 54 was not my first Godzilla movie. Now that I'm thinking back on it, it was this one. Dylan and I had seen it in a hotel room uh, while we were away for a school theater trip, and I loved it. It was uh, the designs, the big bug eyes in the beginning, the fish eyes that he has. <laughs> yes. Uh, it also gives way to like, uh, it, it's a little bit of foreshadowing with the big old fish eye. He was from the sea and all the nuclear waste that was there. It's a little bit of foreshadowing in the design too, but those big old eyes, whenever I first saw that, I was like, Oh my god! And then the the huge gills, the the floppy gills, the little <laughs> no arms, the little stubs that he has, and he's down on street level, walking on those big hind legs that he has. What a freaky design! And he's like trying to stand up during his whole rampage uh, the first time that he comes out, and he finally does, and he just oh, you know what would be good? Some arms. Let me grow some, and he just does, and he glows red, and like all the <laughs> different colors that he glows, and the the nuclear blast uh, shooting out of his back, was that ever done before? No. no. That was completely new. The most Godzilla has done that was different has been a dropkick. That, like, that was so cool. And using his and, breath and to fly. Fly, yeah. Oh my god, wow. <laughs> but but using the back, uh, very, very cool when when I saw that. and The tail, uh, too. Yeah. yeah. The, the fact that the tail like distinctly has a little mouth. A face, yeah. It has mm. a face is Gross. freaky. Dylan, what did you think? Because I'm curious of what your thoughts were on the amount of characters in there. It's a lot. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. And here's why. I think it's done on purpose. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes, it is. Mm -hmm. If the original Gojira was, I mean, obviously the dragon, uh, the boat, and also, of course, Hiroshima. This one was also going off of the recent natural disasters that Japan was getting hit Mm -hmm. with with earthquakes and tsunamis and not only that but how poorly the government was responding to Mm -hmm. all this Mm -hmm. and how convoluted and how just very bloated the government and its Mm -hmm. committees and all these things that were just happening nothing was getting done this is a political thriller more than anything yeah i i would Mm -hmm. i would equate shin godzilla similar to that of watching chernobyl if if you've ever yeah. if you've ever seen the 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 miniseries Chernobyl and you want you're wanting to double feature that miniseries with something that's completely different but somewhat relative, I would do Shin Godzilla right after. I hadn't considered that, but that is absolutely true. You get you get a lot of time with different characters, and most of them never come back or pop up again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you get all these different names, and so you kind of get put under put under their stress trying to remember everything. And like Dylan was pointing out, like, you know, it's it's on purpose because of the fact that you have to see how the government's handle, handling this. And I like that Jackson mm. brings up that it's also kind of like a political thriller, which me saying everything on that bullet point that we've, we're all putting in right here just separates so much from Son of Godzilla. But uh, <laughs> when when when, per, when pertaining... These are two wild... Completely different. different. But saying all of that, Adding it all up together, there, there's a reason why this particular film, I wouldn't be surprised, gets in the top three instead of number four. 
And uh, a lot of that just comes down to the quality, the care of not only how the characters are reacting and making this more so a disaster movie than a Godzilla movie. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Just really points out why this particular film won the Academy Award for Best Picture in Japan. So between that, the creepy, creepy music that they use in there. Mm -hmm. Oh, my the God. Designs the music is and so the scenes, good. It is. The, the music is fantastic because it's not just new arrangements from the, the dude who did the Ava music. Yeah. It's songs from Godzilla's old mm -hmm. catalog. And they use some even from the 54 in there. Yeah. You, you get songs from even like King Kong versus Godzilla. And it's all to like tie it all together. It, it, it's a completely new take on Godzilla that honors the character so much. It's wild because personally speaking, I wouldn't want any other Godzilla movie to try and do this again because I feel like they would just do it wrong. And I wouldn't want a sequel. I, I don't want a sequel no. to this. And I, I think that last shot was very intentional. Yeah. You know, you know how good this movie is? My girlfriend is looking forward to Shin Ultraman. Do y'all know about Shin Ultraman coming out? Mm -mm. Same same creative team tackling Ultraman now. There's a trailer for it. I'm going to have to look that up. Yeah. That sounds It exciting. looks fantastic. That would be my first foray into Ultraman. So my first forays into both of these franchises would be the Shin movies. Wow, that's funny. I know Shin Godzilla is going up against Son of Godzilla, but I do want to make a comparison to Shin Godzilla and King of the Monsters because... They both came out the same time, but it shows what's so different about America and Japan, whereas King of the Monsters couldn't do what Shin Godzilla did. And in terms of uh, the, the themes it wants to bring up and the conversation it kind of wants to have, I think like with a big American blockbuster, especially Godzilla. It wouldn't and, be the place to do it. Well, not only that, but I don't think it can do that. I don't think anybody here in the States would kind of, aside from us, obviously, would kind of appreciate the movie whereas japan like emmanuel said it won a uh, best picture mm -hmm. award at, in japan and i feel like japan they have such a love for godzilla but also the movie itself i mean i feel like even if we had no idea what a godzilla was and this was our first time witnessing godzilla today i think it, it would be the same thing I, I feel like japan the audience there would have the same reception mm -hmm. Uh, as opposed to how we would react, like the general audience in America. So I think those two movies, since they're so relevant now, I feel like they're a, a beautiful reflection of our own society. This is the closest to the original 1954 Godzilla uh, that the series has gotten to, uh, from what I've seen and from what I know. Um, and just based off of this one, like Jalen said, I don't know if anyone should do another actual metaphorical deep dive into the politics of godzilla i i think mm -hmm. i think con considering that it's got to be like a once every so many years when yes. concerning mm -hmm. that because when when it comes to like american society the the one thing that we could relate to when it came to a big monster attack was cloverfield the fact that everybody had devices on them that could record take pictures and all that I think that would probably be like your next best bet if you wanted to have a film that dealt with issues that are relative and relating to currently right now. Like if they were to make a kaiju movie, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a type of virus that comes off of like a monster and they're relating that with COVID and how American yeah. politics play into all of that and how people aren't taking it seriously and they're not prepared and the monster keeps attacking and it just keeps going and going and going until the American society t decides to come together to do something about it. 
And yeah. in a very similar sense with Shin Godzilla, the the characters and the way the world is established in that reality of Japan very much reflects what happened to them currently a while before that. And their their politics and government are always so slow to act and it's so bloated that once they do get put under that pressure, you're trying to see them cycle through every single person that could give an answer. And mm-hmm. so I definitely agree. You can't just make these movies because you need, I mean, it's sad to say, but you would need a writer that can find that inspiration to tackle a subject currently happening to you. Mm-hmm. And and I think that the closest thing for us is probably going to be the pandemic, but you won't get a monster movie like this for a good while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All of the tension from this movie comes from the political tension. And they even mentioned it in the movie, like yeah. so much mm-hmm. red tape, even to establish a press conference. Like each yeah. scene is just person like, can we do this? Can we do this? Okay. Yeah, you can mm-hmm. do this. Okay. You can do this. Okay. Go for it. Go for it. Like just so mm-hmm. much mm-hmm. happened. Mm-hmm. Like, there's so much stalling and that builds the tension so well to where whenever you do get that big climactic battle at the end, uh, it, it it's such a good payoff. You've been waiting the whole movie for that. Exactly. And it's not even like sci- like true, true sci-fi because they're actually having to scramble to get the type of chemicals yes, together to do this. And they barely yeah. have enough of the coagulant. Mm-hmm. And even then, Godzilla destroys the first wave of them. So... Mm-hmm. Oh my god. And uh what I noticed is that the UN and all of the those nations like basically were like we're going to drop another nuke on you Japan and they basically were like you're going to let this happen in order to eliminate Godzilla whereas the US and all those other countries would never let any other country do the same to them. Like imagine if there were a, th- a Godzilla like threat in New York and the UN was like okay, we're going to have to nuke New York. Y- that would not happen, but they just kind of have to accept that in this movie. And they come 3,560-something seconds, they say it at the end, away from being nuked again. I love how there's not another monster to be introduced to fight Shin Godzilla. Uh, I, I love how they make him so terrifying that you're hoping... You're just hoping by the third act, magically some other monster comes and takes him out. Yeah. <laughs> and... and well, and you know that another monster is not coming. And and that's what makes it so terrifying. I want to point out one very quick snippet of the movie that just makes me laugh. And I, at the same time, kind of very uh, just like tragic. It's when the mayor's like, don't worry, Godzilla will not make landfall. <laughs> and then the dude comes on, whispers in his ear, uh, Godzilla's made landfall. <laughs> you know, he's going to be wrong. Yeah. He's going to hit the city. But when he does, you're just kind of like, oh, no, here we go. Now it's well, just going to get worse it, from like, here on all, out. The whole time they're like in the meetings and everything. And uh, Godzilla's slowly making his way through the port and onto land. Another funny thing is like, all right, give me my uniform ready to make a press conference. He has to get on a special little outfit. Everyone has their special little outfit. And imagine how much time would have been saved if they didn't have to do any of that. And if they deliver that press conference sooner, you know, like... Which really shows a contrast between this particular 2016 Godzilla and the 2014 one and how they handle the human characters. The mm-hmm. the fact that, like, there's subtleties like that, Jackson, that you're bringing up, where the characters, you get, like, strings of scenes, like Dylan was bringing up, and then by the time they make a decision on something, Godzilla hits. And it's like, what, what, yeah, you can't waste time. This is a very special Godzilla movie. That is once in a lifetime. 
Lightning in a bottle. It, it really is lightning in a bottle. You cannot replicate this. You need those palate cleansers of the other Godzilla movies to not fully appreciate this one, but it just makes this one all the more special. Yes. You're, you're doing Son of Godzilla so dirty putting it <laughs> up against this movie. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's the way... It's the way the brackets, the way the cookie crumbles. At least you didn't put all monsters attack, which this movie gets confused for a lot. Yeah. I just want to say... Son of Godzilla's ugly, man. <laughs> yes. I'm oh sorry. my gosh. Yes, yes. This is the ugly <laughs> this is the ugliest Godzilla has looked. Minya is ugly as sin. <laughs> that being said, the introduction of Minya, uh if if, if Ghidorah the three headed monster showed us that Godzilla could be a good guy, could be a hero, Son of Godzilla is what introduced us to the idea of Godzilla could be a character. Jayla, I know you'll defend Son of Godzilla. I, I will. I, I will. Myself, so, I'm not. I'm not the biggest fan of Son of Godzilla. I do appreciate that they introduce a baby for Godzilla to kind of like nurture and teach. It, it kind of humanizes the kaiju. But yeah. for me, eh. <laughs> Re- rewatching Son of Godzilla, the the big takeaway I had about it and had with it was that I still don't like it to this day. Mm-hmm. But my thoughts on my general objectivity of it aside. The fact that they have, again, so much attention to detail in terms of like the sets that they have. And this one has a lot more outdoor sets in terms of like mountains and trees and all of that. And you're mm-hmm. you're getting a scale for Godzilla and um, his his kiddo fighting off. Uh, I forget the name of this particular monster. I know it comes out in in Final Wars 2. But anyways, I just appreciate the fact that they chose to focus so much on the monsters in here and their little fights with these insects. And it was very interesting for them to pick insects instead of like your typical costume suit that that they went with puppets. This is a very small scale Godzilla movie in Mm -hmm. comparison to the others. Yeah. There's no big epic alien to destroy. There's no big planet threatening disaster just a bunch of bugs it's an infestation and you're dealing with the uh the humans this is probably i would say the closest that john fakuda ever got to uh replicating ishiro honda with having quieter moments with uh the human scientists who are on this island testing out that weather machine and so you do get like a um Almost like Skull Island. I would even say that this is like Skull Island before Skull Island. That's exactly what I was going to point out, was that the the whole spot that they're at reminds me of a Skull Island. Where they have to uh, worry about the these insects as well, and their their idea at the end to just freeze the whole damn island. <laughs> And you get and the the movie closes on that on that shot of Godzilla holding his son, trying to give him warmth. They're both, I mean, they're both cold blooded, but. That shot of Godzilla actively caring for this thing that he had been pretty cold to throughout the movie really shows that, hey, this big monster can maybe be more. All right, you sold me, Jalen. That's it. Son of Godzilla is uh, my pick against Shin Godzilla. <laughs> yeah, you re- you really stack the odds against Shin here. Yeah, very unfair of you, Dylan. How dare you? Well, I'm very excited to see how this bracket plays out, and I hope you guys uh, vote, uh, and everyone out there also vote. And I, I want to thank my panel. I, I want to thank Emmanuel and Jalen. Thank you so much. I was worried I would only have one of you, but I'm so glad I had both of you on 
the show. Like I said, you two are the biggest Godzilla fans I know, and it really shows. Emmanuel, last time I had you on a show, we were aiming for an hour, and we went four hours. And look at us again. We yeah, went like Dylan, we you, went three. You told me this was gonna be like an hour, and then I was, and then I was like, oh god, I'm gonna have to rein it in, and I couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, I but I enjoyed um, every second of it. <laughs> It, it just it just happens it man. does like <laughs> how I love can it. you die it, it, every 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 time Jalen like I heard when when uh Dylan mentioned like yeah Jalen I uh, got this guy named Jalen he's just a big Godzilla fan like you I'm like this guy's probably gonna know a lot and I'm gonna <laughs> want to hear it so um once once you started talking I'm like I love what this guy is saying like I want to keep <laughs> hearing I want to hear more yeah and and like same, same thing with you it, it's so rare to meet someone who's just as passionate about all of this yeah, I mean, what I really do like about your knowledge is the knowledge you have on the Showa era. Yeah. Um, it's it's awesome. Uh, for me, it's mainly just I love the Heisei era so much that like I've, I've invested so much in it. Which admittedly to me, it, uh, I'm not as well versed in it. So I'm glad you were here too to be able to, to shine the light on those fantastic movies too in a way that I wouldn't have been able to. And it's really cool that uh, Dylan... Uh, you and Jackson were able to get both of us in together to yeah. where we can both give that input on those yeah. two eras and that you were able to give us this time to like really just nerd out for a while. So yeah, yeah. Th- thank, thank you, you for, for having me and, and, and Jalen. Um, it was good seeing both of you guys and talking to you, uh, Dylan and Jackson again. Right back at you, man. Missed you all. But definitely, if you're going to have another one of these, I'm excited to to be back i'm sure jalen you'd probably want to come back too just yeah uh let us know dylan yeah, yeah. we'll have a little kaiju corner it'll that, be that, a little uh, oh my spin-off. gosh yes that's great <laughs> admittedly i i don't like talking about my movie opinions all that much but i will absolutely go balls to the wall for godzilla <laughs> well great i i'm glad and uh i want to know what everyone else like whoever listens to this podcast what they think about all these godzilla movies we talked about and don't forget to vote so, yeah, we're going to wrap it up here. And before we go, where can we find all of you? Jackson. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jackson underscore DML. All right. And Emmanuel, I know, I correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you're coming back, right? In terms of uh, YouTube. So uh, a couple weeks ago, I started re-recording for my YouTube channel. Um, there are a string of videos that will be coming out weekly on Saturdays. The first one that's coming out has some stuff that I put in before and stuff that I put in while I wasn't feeling well. And so um, I'm coming out with a video later on today uh, talking about 25 years of Pokemon. Ooh, oh, nice. And next, and next week we'll be talking about uh, 20 years of Halo. Cool. Yeah. Uh, wow. And Jalen, where can we find you, man? Uh, do not find me. Um... <laughs> <laughs> hey, you you did a Godzilla uh, project, right? Yes, I did. I was actually just about to plug that instead of my Perfect. Twitter because uh, my, my Twitter is my own private little space. I don't, <laughs> I don't want anyone coming trying to fight me. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, yes, uh, Brittany and I were in this uh, fan project that actually got highlighted during what was... Uh, have you heard of G-Fest? Yes, I have. Yeah, G-Fest couldn't happen this past year. So uh, a bunch of uh, God's, uh, Godzilla figureheads got together and made Kaiju Conline. Hmm. And uh, one of the things that was featured was actually the fan-made audio project Godzilla Unmade, uh, which takes three old, uh, old uh, movie treatments that never got made for Godzilla and expands them into uh, audio drama shorts. 
and uh, Brittany and I, uh, my girlfriend, are in the second one, Godzilla versus uh, Hedera 2. Wow. That's so cool. Wow. That is really cool. Yeah, you cool. can find it on the Kaiju Source podcast on uh, Spotify. You can look up Godzilla Unmade on YouTube. Uh, it, the the Kaiju Soros YouTube channel. You can find those um, those projects there. There's three of them. There's Godzilla versus the Last Gargantuan. There's uh, Godzilla versus Hedera Two, and uh, the Bride of Godzilla. And if if you enjoyed my presence enough, I am also in an upcoming uh, audio drama called Crime Scene Arcanum that you can find on Spotify. Uh, so far, we only have a trailer out, but I voice a. Uh, Kind of a uh, medieval plague doctor who's a medical examiner. Oh. And uh, Dylan, I didn't really say where to find me. Um, oh, sorry. But it's okay. <laughs> um, I uh, I don't have any more social media now except Facebook Messenger. So you can strictly find me, if you want to, uh, on my YouTube channel, Emmanuel Talks. Great. All right. And you can follow me on my personal Twitter. Uh, I love to fight, so... Bring it on. Um, <laughs> no, it's all love and memes on my page. Uh, you can follow me at DylanMM5. That's right, D-Y-L-A-N-M-M-5. This is The Cinema Show. Remember, all films are subjective, and it's all about perspective. Have a great day and a better tomorrow.